Hey there, NASCAR fans. Have you got your copy of the latest edition of NASCAR Pole Position Print Magazine? If not, there's no better time than now to subscribe at PolePositionMag.com. NASCAR Pole Position is the only print magazine covering NASCAR. Officially licensed by NASCAR, NASCAR Pole Position Magazine is published throughout the NASCAR season, and each edition is an instant collector's item, backed with great feature stories and photography. The magazine is even mailed to you in a poly bag for those who love to collect NASCAR memorabilia. At PolePositionMag.com, you can even find past issues available to purchase. Get your subscription to NASCAR Pole Position and get great NASCAR content delivered straight to your mailbox throughout the season. Learn more at PolePositionMag.com. That's PolePositionMag.com. Hey y'all, Rick Houston here, and I want to tell you about my new show, the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast. I've partnered up with the state of North Carolina Department of Natural and Cultural Resources to help uncover the history behind moonshining mountain boys, professional wheelmen, and the backwoods and city lights of the Tar Heel State. In the first episode, I sat down with Winston Kelly at the NASCAR Hall of Fame for a little behind-the-scenes gossip about Junior Johnson's engineering skills. He's got two things in his hand, pipe wrench and channel lock pliers, and they weren't new. They yeah. had been, they had been yeah. around the block a time or two. What's the first deal they built, I bet? No, no. You know, you could, I think they were, they had, the, the pliers had been red before, but paint had worn off. And in the second episode, I talked to a professional hillbilly, a.k.a. Dr. Daniel Pierce of UNC Asheville, to find out the real history of moonshiners and their battles with the revenuers. He wrote about one of his experience of trying to chase down this uh, this bootlegger and this this souped up car, and he he complained that the government gave him these piece of crap, cheapo cars, and that, that were really no match. But he thought he was doing pretty good, and then the guy just hits it and just takes off and practically disappears. But then the guy makes a bootleg turn uh, and comes back towards him. And as he said, it was a game of chicken, and I was the chicken. And so he ran off the road. And actually, he was the guy who, who caught Junior Johnson at his daddy's steal when Junior got tangled up in a, in a barbed wire fence. So check out the Moonshine and Motorsports Racing Podcast, available on YouTube, DailyDownForce.com, and all of your favorite podcasting platforms. And be sure to check out my regular show on NASCAR history, the Scene Vault Podcast. Eric Estep here. One of my favorite parts of being a NASCAR fan is collecting diecasts. It's how I got my start on YouTube, actually. To me, a room is not complete until it features shelves of NASCAR diecast cars. It's as good a time as ever to continue your collection or begin an all-new one by pre-ordering your favorite driver's 2022 next-gen diecast at LionelRacing.com or at any authorized Lionel retailer. Lionel is the official diecast of NASCAR, and don't miss Lionel Racing's NASCAR Authentics diecasts at a Walmart or Target near you. Not only is Lionel the official diecast of NASCAR, but they're also official supporters of the Out of the Groove Podcast Network. So what are you waiting for? Head to LionelRacing.com to order your favorite driver's 2022 diecast. Green. Holy moly! Take off! Yeah! 
guys. Thank you! Yeah! Hell yeah. Woo! Great job, man. Now we got a crash. Cars spinning left and right. Buddy, let her rip. Rain like hell, baby. Come on. Oh my God, guys. Yes. Yes. Unbelievable. You guys are the best. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, what a year. Welcome. Actually, it's kind of weird saying this from your place. Uh, for those of you listening, <laughs> yeah. of course, you watching, I'm at Danny's right now because I've moved down here. Uh, so no garage in the background, but a pretty good one. But uh, yeah, yeah, we 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 had a weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll we'll leave it at that. Yeah, we'll just play, um, let's leave it at that. Man. The All Star was enjoyable can't... for me for different reasons. And it was, <laughs> yeah, it was a fun. It was a fun night. Let's just play had that a one. good time. I had a good time. I had Corona. Uh, yeah. So anyway. Uh, let's just get right into the All-Star Race. There's plenty of stuff to talk about, and there was also, you know, the Xfinity truck, everything else, uh, triple header weekend. Danny, you're right next to me. Let me just pass it right to you. What What were your thoughts, just starting off with the All-Star Race? Initial thoughts for it. Sucked. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's the truth. I, I said this in my video this week. I enjoyed, and, and granted, you know, I like fishing and all, but it's not the most enjoyable thing to watch on television. I enjoyed watching the live Bassmaster coverage on FS1 this weekend more than I enjoyed watching NASCAR this weekend. And it sucks to say that because I love NASCAR. But that's just the truth. That's how I felt about it. I mean, I don't know how the other guys feel, but I just, well, Eric was there. It's always a little bit better being at a race, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it for me, I just I, I just cannot say I enjoyed watching any of the NASCAR I watched this weekend. What, what did you think, Eric? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> Like Danny said, being at the racetrack, I think you're always going to have a little better perspective um, than most people watching at home, or at least you're going to feel um, the experience is going to be more overwhelming, I guess. Um, and I've been to enough Texas races at this point that I, I go in with very low expectations. I know we all do, but like I, I've been to enough Texas races that yeah, I guess part of me was just relieved it wasn't 500 miles of that. Uh, it, it wasn't a great race. I do think a lot of the outrage we've seen on social media, and and I've been very, uh, I mean, I did a whole video a couple of days ago where I was very critical of the all-star race and said the whole thing needs to be overhauled. But I think a lot of the the blowback stemmed from the call at the end, at the end of the race, which I know we're going to talk about. I think, I think the race wasn't great, but it wasn't really any worse than any recent Texas race we've seen. And then the bad call at the end, I think was the tipping point. I think for the last five years, we've been slowly, but surely kind of reaching that boiling point when it comes to Texas and then NASCAR throwing a, a BS yellow with hundred feet to go was that tipping point. And then everyone poured out and it was that this track is unsavable. You know, it is, is it's beyond, beyond repair at this point. And I, and I think that's a great point. I think, you know, listen to a lot of people's takes on this race, drivers, uh, media members, Jordan Bianchi from the athletic, his podcast made a good point, like, or at least his opinion I thought was was strong but fair. How can we come back to Texas Motor Speedway in its current condition? Like, how can like I don't see how NASCAR. I know they have to race there again in like September, but like in the playoffs, man. In the playoffs, but I just don't see how you can come back to Texas Motor Speedway, regardless of the car, regardless of the package, in its current form. It is a broken racetrack, unfortunately, and it sucks because. Being there in person, that was the best Texas Motor Speedway crowd I've seen since probably 2018. And you took Traf- a friend, didn't you? you I took, took a, a friend. friend. It was his first race ever. Didn't know anything about NASCAR. He had a good time, and you'll see it in my video tomorrow. I, I might have even edited some of it out because I didn't want him to get hate in the comments. But he said after the race that 
man, there was a lot of action. Like he was surprised <laughs> by how much passing there was and all that. And I'm like, I'm gonna edit that out just because. No, no, come on. Uh, oh, come but on. <laughs> but he had a great time. He didn't know any better. Like let me put it that way. But uh, it, it was just it's just a shame because the facility is still new and modern. The crowd in Dallas Fort Worth is there to support a good race and a good racetrack. That's just not what Texas is, unfortunately. So, I mean, that's my thought. My, my takeaway in a nutshell, the All-Star Race needs to be completely overhauled if it wants to stay. I think it's ironic we're all having this conversation this week when today it sounds like the NFL may do away with the Pro Bowl. I know. Good. That, that was actually really ironic, and it makes me wonder, is it time for NASCAR to consider the same thing? Well, I think we can get to that in a bit. Like, I yeah, we'll get to that in a bit. First yeah, yeah, we we'll get, get to that, that in a bit. But, yeah, look, I, I'll be honest. Like, I was well, – well, first off um, – for those who are watching, sorry uh, about my camera situation. I'm trying to get it figured out as we speak. But um, in the meantime, I'm glad you guys can still hear me and stuff. But yeah, um, all week I was basically not looking forward to this race at all. Um, you know, I, I I feel like I make it a point now to try and not and, and not be as negative as I used to be from time to time. But I feel like just all the stuff that happened last weekend was warranted, man. It's like. I, I, it, it says a lot that I was like, I was basically watching the book and the, um, um, the book ending of Indy 500 qualifying over the start of the all-star race and stuff, or at least over the start of the opens. Like I usually make it a point like each and every year, whenever NASCAR's on like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, right away, change the channel. But this year I'm just like, nah, like just cause I was not looking forward to this race at all. And then you saw the action in the open races. And then that was like, that, that was the telltale sign that, Oh, okay. Tonight's not going to really be, that type of a, a night in terms of like racing and stuff the only way to make this race more entertaining tonight is by having a bunch of other stuff happening whether it's kyle bush blowing his tire and then chastain basically <laughs> nearly flipping i mean well he did get some airtime he didn't flip but he got some airtime he was on his side yeah he was basically on his side um and yeah i mean like and the call at the end the call at the end but yeah you're right eric the call at the end basically like pretty much like guaranteed that this race would be like considered one of the worst all-star races of all time. It was the tipping point. It was years of frustration with Texas boiling over. Yeah. Just everything built like, but like the thing is, is that like, I can totally, I totally get why everyone's pissed just because it would be, it would be one thing if a caution was called out with like, with like two laps to go. I get that. But he was basically about to cross the finish line, and like that was it. Like, like he was he was getting he was coming to get the checkered, and then all of a sudden, bam, caution. He was just like also, inches away from crossing the line. Also, sudden, I didn't boom. know that there was a rule that it had the finish under green for the All Star race. Yeah, I uh, well, you know, it's like Denny Hamlin talked about. Hey, just make up rules as we go along. I guess it's just one of those rules. Like, yeah, you got to read the rule book, and every driver and crew chief should have been aware. But it's just one of those silly little details that. Why does that need to be changed for the All Star Race? Like, well, I don't well, know. well I, I, I want to say real quick. I think you know, Darren. You said you'd put your expectations low. I had said last week because of how well this car had been with a mile and a half. I actually was somewhat in like looking forward to Texas, mm-hmm. and I think for me, and I think a lot of other fans, that's probably why a lot of people are angry too, is because you you had it to where. There were fans thinking that Texas could maybe deliver. Maybe not. We knew it wasn't going to be the greatest show. It wasn't going to be like Kansas or Las Vegas, but delivering a better show. And it just seemed like everything about the way the track is now and the way that they've they've made it since a reconfiguration, it, it pretty much completely went to the 
um, core weaknesses of the next-gen car when it came to whether it be shifting with full throttle through two of the corners to the point where mm-hmm. you, you basically just, once you got single file off the restart, that's how it was. And, and I think that's yeah. the big point is that you have a, a large amount of fans who are upset with it because it's Texas and how bad it's been, but you also have a large amount who's upset because there was hope there. It wasn't like mm-hmm. everyone was going into it thinking it was going to be the worst race of the year. We're thinking, eh, maybe it'll be better than we think it will. Yeah, there was a shot, but then quickly found out as soon as it started, no. It's not yeah. <laughs> I guess the next track that I have circled that was kind of like Texas for being hopeful is, is Pocono, because I feel like that's my next one. I'm curious, how is this car going to handle a, that track? Pocono's less stressful uh, now because there's only one a year. So even if it's kind of yeah, bad, they only have one race, not yeah, two, like Texas. Race, yeah. I do, I do think this weekend at Charlotte should be better. It's, it's, even though they might look similar, the two tracks do race very different from one another. Well, they put, I think they put resin down uh, mm-hmm. on Charlotte today or yesterday. Um, yeah. But kind of going back to the Texas weekend, there really wasn't much to talk about with the Open, which is kind of sad because the Open always seems to be the best race the last couple of years. I think the yeah. only big thing we can really talk about is that Tyler Reddick showed what happens when you push. He got hard. he, but it wasn't even his fault. He got told to run a different line. He was basically telling his team like, "Hey guys, I don't think I can run up there." And they kept telling him to run up there. And then you know, like a good team, like like a good driver listening to his team, runs up there, and then bam, he crashes. And then immediately comes on the radio and says, "I told you guys, <laughs> I can't run up there. Like it's yeah. crazy." And it sucks because he was going to win the fan vote with the way things shuffled out. Yeah. I'm not sure if he was number one or number two behind like Suarez, but he would have won the fan vote, especially yeah. once Suarez won the final stage. You know, Eric Jones was not first or second. I think he was third or fourth in the Pecky order. So th- that's what really stings is he didn't need to be pushing that hard running second. He could have. He started at the rear. He was the only guy in the in the open that was making moves consistently, and then he just you know like you said, Darren, whether it's the team pressuring him, him, you know, just pushed it a little too hard. And Texas is such. It's a shame. It's so wide in the corners and yet this is about as much raceable room there actually is and so you step out of that and you're in you're you're in in the kitty litter but in this case <laughs> a wall you know as they say well i i hate saying it because i thought that rcr was on a big upswing but i've seen a lot of people bring it up and i think there's a little bit of merit to it is that maybe reddick needs to try and find a better team to move on to because he's it seems like he's carrying that team the points don't show it he's of course not doing as well results wise as austin dillon but a lot of it's because tyler reddick is pushing it to the absolute limit every single week he's putting that team on his back he is that makes me think of larson when he was with ganassi he would talk about well really once he got to hendrick he talked about how he really felt like he didn't need to push as hard because the car was just better. When mm-hmm. he was at Ganassi, he was pushing 100% almost every lap, and that would lead to some mistakes. I think Reddick right now, I think some of it is the car's not as good, so he's pushing hard. I think another part of it is pressure setting in that he hasn't won a race, and he's drifting slowly but surely further out of the top 16. But, you know, I think you're right, Jerry. I think I mean, you can say this for anyone. You put him in a better car, they'll run better. But Reddick is the guy I think everyone's looking at as maybe the next Larson. You put him in a mm-hmm. top three or four team, you know, like a Gibbs, a Hendrick, a Penske he could rattle off six, seven wins. Like, I, I think there's maybe some truth to that. I just don't know where he would go because it's got to be mm-hmm. a good chartered car available. I mean, the only thing that comes to my mind is the 10 with SHR, but we kind of think that might be 
Priest. Yeah, I I think that's like yeah. And even then, I I don't think he wins. I think he's lucky to win a race in that car. That's that's not really a step up in my opinion. mm -hmm. Maybe maybe he sticks it out a couple like a year or two more at RCR, and there are right now three drivers above the age of thirty five, thirty six, thirty seven at JGR. Maybe that's an option. I mean, he's under contract for one one more year. (laughs) Maybe we can finally convince Dell Jr. to get a cup car and he can take the eight away from RCR. Or (laughs) maybe maybe, uh, another possible situation would be that second track house car. I mean, but then again, I mean, Daniel Suarez, I mean, yeah, he's been running a little bit better. But again, like if I had my option, I'd pick Redick over Suarez in that ride, you know, instantly. I don't know, but he brings the, some of the sponsorship. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's like the tough part. It's tough. Thing. Yeah. It's tough. Well, but kind of yeah, moving he... up to the all-star race itself, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking at, like, all the different stuff that there was. And, you know, we talked about it. It, it was hard to pass, yes. Um, but I think that the big thing is that the only way it was really – and I saw a lot of drivers complain about this. We heard a lot of drivers complain about this, is that the only way to kind of get it all put together and everybody – um, you know, kind of bunched up aside from the stage yellows they had was crashes. Kyle Larson crashed. We talked about it a little bit before the crash with Kyle Busch, Elliott, and Chastain. Um, you know, Bell went around. So I guess it's... It, Jones. It, We're still not past the tire issues. Yeah, I, I, to yeah. a degree. I think, like, I thought some of them said, though, that that it was those who had pushed it longer on their tires but still yeah, they hadn't so, pushed so, it they hadn't so pushed had, it super long but yeah longer than everyone else and i read today that they think kyle bush ran over something is what they were guessing okay that was, that's what it that's what it looked know. like because he just slowed yeah he, uh, he just slowed down coming off of four all of a sudden and then yeah just chastain had nowhere to go i did find it funny some of the fan reactions from that wreck like i saw this one chase elliott fan page blaming chastain for the wreck saying that oh he had all the time to react he should have like not just plowed in the i'm like what do you think? You plowed into him on purpose? Like, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, was a, it was a fluky deal. Those dog legs get sketchy because it's not a perfect smooth turn. It's just, you're, I, you're I think Kyle Busch did the best to go the way you're going when you're in there. Yeah. yeah. I think Bush, if he stays high, he's probably more of a hazard than if he stays low. So it just kind of sucked that it was where it was on the track. Yeah. But. You know, we, we can talk about the we can talk about the racing, we can talk about the wrecks, but the big stuff is is twofold. I think you know we're we're gonna of course talk about the Blaney stuff, but but I think we should talk about what happened before it. I think it's kind of getting skipped over a lot. NASCAR for it seeming it seemed like for the first time in a while threw just a straight up BS caution at the end to spice mm-hmm. things up. Yeah, um, <laughs> and and I'm hoping you know I know that they they said that they made the wrong call. And that's that's nice and all, but you can't change it. Like it still happened, y'all. There there needs to be a way that they can hold their you know their own feet to the fire. I don't know how how you do that, but it's just it, a caution like that. The race was it was virtually over. You know, we we all wanted it to end. I think you know everyone at mm-hmm. home at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I don't I don't know how NASCAR goes about you know fixing that other than the fact that that that's what they wanted they wanted they wanted the craziness at the end they wanted to to try and make it they 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 wanted to try and capitalize i think on the fact and we've seen it before when we've talked about races we've seen it before in the comments chat polls everything like that that 
NASCAR fans will always value a finish more than the rest of the race. Yeah. So if you leave with a good taste in your mouth, maybe there won't be so much hate. Uh, maybe that was their thinking of it on top of, of course, making a big show out of it. I just, I don't like that. I've, I hated it when it was a thing in the 2000s. I hated it in the 2010s. I thought it was stage racing. We pretty much were over this. It's it, it just, it, it just leaves an even worse taste in my mouth than the race itself did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like mm-hmm. you said, Jared, right. like, I'm glad they, they wheeled Scott Miller out to apologize and say, yeah, it was a bad call. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think NASCAR believes that, but... Yeah, I'd be curious to know, like, get an honest answer from whoever it was running race control this week. Because it's not David Hoots anymore. I don't know who it is. If they have a revolving door, I don't know who. I don't know the name of the person making on the trigger. I don't know who pressed that button for Stenhouse. But I'd be curious to get an honest answer from them. From them, like, what does NASCAR tell them before the race? Because you got to believe NASCAR. While they didn't maybe want that to be called a caution in that moment, they're probably putting a lot of pressure on their race control officials to look for. A caution if the race gets stale they probably yeah. tell them that hey if, if we've had a long green flag run if you get the feeling that it's strung out and fans are unhappy you know if there's a little piece of metal or if you know someone brushes the wall maybe throw the yellow and if you're the race control official sitting there in the booth and you have kind of those thoughts lingering back your head you might end up making knee-jerk calls that oh right after you press the button you realize that was probably not the right call but like you're under pressure from that so nascar can say we didn't want them to make that call but at the same time, I'll bet NASCAR is putting pressure on their officials to throw a caution if the race feels strung out. And especially in this case, it's the all-star race. They want that flashy, glitzy finish that will get everyone talking. Unfortunately, in this case, it was for the wrong reason. So Yeah, but but also, too, I felt like also there, um, another part of their um, uh, mentality when making this decision was like, okay, like this is the all-star race. Uh, not many fans will really care about this race in the long run anyway. Let's just, you know, throw something out there to make it more exciting. I think like, yeah, like, like, I think, I think that combined with like, yeah, with, with uh, what, uh, with what you just said, Eric, you know, about like, oh, like, yeah, like, I, I do feel like, I do feel like that some of these race directors and stuff, like they, 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 they does NASCAR give them like more incentive to call those, to make those like last second calls for a more exciting finish? Like, yeah, definitely for sure. Like, I'm not saying it, um, it uh, takes away from some of the safety aspects to an extent, but like this incident in, in particular, however, did because Ryan Blaney's window net came down and didn't he run like that for basically two whole laps? Yeah. Well, I, uh, that's, let's get yeah, that's he, just, he got just the front end, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And let's get in that real quick. I just want to say we got the first uh, person going for the uh, Indy 500 picks at $48. That's where it's set. Just letting everybody know going into it. Uh, chat pick for the Indy 500 tonight is uh highest super chat. Just a tradition we started, but let's go right into it. Uh, Ryan Blaney coming to the line thinks he has the win in hand. Mm-hmm. We all think he has the win in hand. I put yeah. the poll out thinking he had the win in hand because I put the tweet fans, out thinking he had the win in hand. Fans in the stands were rushing to the flag stand, you know, for the celebration mm-hmm. already at that point. Yeah. So everyone thought the race was over. Ryan Blaney naturally does what every driver does, takes the window net down, starts celebrating, and then all of us, including the people in the booth, because even like Mike Joy, Clint Boyer, and was it Larry Mack, I think? Yeah, yeah, Larry Mack. Yeah, all are like, wait, wait, this race isn't over. And I love, I love it. it was it was like, um, Clint Boyer, I think it was, was like, I don't know what to say to that. And Mike Joy's like, I do, but I won't say it. <laughs> yeah, Mike Joy, you just see, you could just tell he's so done with NASCAR's BS, man. It's just like, okay, so that was that was enjoyable. But Blaney, uh, 
you know, was having trouble putting his window net back on. It, it's basically impossible for a driver to fully put their window net on from inside the car without assistance. And NASCAR leaves him out there. Luckily, he gets the win. That's that's nice. But NASCAR leaves him out there with the safety net half down, going into a final dash for a million dollars, where drivers, or at least we're told, going all out for it. I, I, I don't know about you guys. I said it in my video this week. This is a huge red flag for me because it shows that NASCAR, at least in this moment, but they've done it before with poor officiating where they'll not throw a caution until later when there's obvious danger to a driver, where they're putting the entertainment value of the race over the safety aspect. And I'm not the only one who thought that. Dale Jr., Mike Davis, and Denny Hamlin, I saw, all said the same thing. Well, you, you point out this in the Cup Series, but you can go to the Truck Series. Mm-hmm. We've seen at least two or three times over the last few years where they, they've just ignored an obvious need for a caution. Bristol dirt truck race back last year. Mm-hmm. You had a guy running up high, slow, way off the pace. Kyle Larson crashes into him. We had truck series guy running slow off the pace, causes a big crash, nearly you know had a car get had a truck get a lot of damage. And then earlier this year, I think it was this year, we had a trucks just sitting on the inside wall for two laps. Well, and remember at Charlotte last year in the trucks as well, Johnny Sauter. That's the left one, that's out the one there. I referred to. Oh, yeah. Left out for then you had. You had the cup race where they went racing, where they said that the glass was too tinted. Um, I will never, <laughs> ever, ever let this, this show forget that and unmemify that. Where the glass was too tinted, so they let them race out in the rain, and there was a crash. <laughs> and I, I think I, you know, I, I would still be as upset with this, you know, either way. It sucks for Blaney, you know, and maybe they can change the rules like they did before and let him come down and retain his position, but. You had a, a wreck earlier where Ross Chastain went up in the air and was over on his driver's side near the ground. So what happens, you know, if something like that happens with Blaney, half his window is open and his arm goes out the window. That's it, it sucks that Blaney would, by the rule book, need to be penalized. But in my opinion, he, he should have been brought down pit road. I don't care if you give it one way or another to him, like to it, uh, to him back his position or not. But that needed to be fixed before they went out there well, at 180, 190 well, miles an hour. Yeah, I agree. If we're, you know, Denny Hamlin pointed out this week, if we're just letting drivers have a mulligan for their mistakes, give a mulligan to Mark Martin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, give him back the win in 94. Give him back that yeah. one. No, I, I think ultimately they made two wrong decisions, bad call on the caution, and then they made a bad safety call letting Blaney race without his window net properly latched. And in their eyes, they didn't – Here's what they should have done. If they were already going to make two bad calls, which is what they did in this case, they should have made the bad call be, hey, Blaney, we'll let you come down and fix your window net, and you can keep your position. We're going to break the rules. Because they basically broke the rules for Blaney. There's no Mm -hmm. way. Every driver in the garage knows there's no way when you're strapped in, you can put your window net back up by yourself. So NASCAR, I mean, they didn't. I guess they didn't know for sure. That's their only defense. They didn't know conclusively, but they were 99.9% sure he did not have that thing properly latched. If you want, if you want to, if you're going to break the rules and let him race without a window net latched, might as well break the rules and let him safely reattach it and then maintain his position. At least then, people would still complain. Hamlin would still complain that they were making up the rules as they go along, and he would have had a point. But at least then, safety isn't being called into question. That that's the point. If you're already going to break two rules at least allow the driver to be safe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I just that's the one part I just find just very irresponsible about this too. It's like, yeah, it's one thing to make a bad call and stuff and we can, you know, criticize that, but it, like 
the safety factor, like, I mean, like, yeah, I get he only ran two laps with it, you know, basically, like, not fully harnessed. But that's still dangerous considering, you know, like, that, you know, at, at you know, mile and a half, we've seen, you know, these cars flip before, you know, 2010 Edwards. Texas is one of the fastest tracks. Bells. So. Exactly, exactly. So it's like, I, I mean, and and especially putting it at, at, at risk for a race where it's like, yeah, this, you know, doesn't even mean anything in the long run for the championship anyways and stuff, but... But yeah, I, I don't know. It's just I, I just that was the part I really, really didn't like about it neither. And I mean, like they should have just basically just called the race anyways. I mean, he was about to cross the line. There wasn't really like it wasn't that big of an incident. So it but. just goes back to NASCAR just with little tweaks every week, every year they put themselves in these positions. They, like, they again, do. They why do. did they need to change the rule? The the last lap, last flag ends the race, or why did they have to change that for this race? You know, I don't know. Yeah, well, I know that, we, that was the start of it. Yeah. I know we usually wait a little bit to talk about these kind of things, but because this one will kind of go away, won't be seen in super chats. Uh, you know, Hot Piss just become a member for eight months on Jarrett's channel. Thank you, Hot Piss. Uh, but he said, "Hot hmm. take: There's no caution at the nine was going to win." And I got to say, I agree with that hot take. I don't just I don't agree. I, I, I mean, Blaney's Blaney, pretty popular. Exactly, though. Blaney's popular, and, and he hasn't won a race all year. I, I don't know. I I think NASCAR, maybe, but I, I I could have seen if Eric Almarola was leading, then then okay, yeah, they throw the caution. That makes total sense. But Blaney, I don't know. I well, I, I, I hate to uh, just assume NASCAR would play favorites like that until they actually yeah. do. And to be fair, they didn't black flag Elliott last year or whatever it was the year before for that rear bumper cover. They probably should have black flagged him for. Yeah. So to be fair, yeah. but I think generally speaking, they don't seem to show explicit favoritism, at least not in the last few years. Well, I, uh, I, I want to keep moving, you know, past the race at the moment and just kind of ask what do you guys see as the future of the all-star race? Cause I've seen a large contingent of people, we're saying get rid of it. Large people saying huge changes or get rid of it. Or a lot of people were just like, no one's going to be happy. We're just, you know, leave it as is or whatever. So, Danny, starting with you, I want I want to know where you would take the all-star race or if you would get rid of it. What, what would you do with the all-star race at this point? I think I'm at the point where I would say get rid of it because the teams and people in the industry are very vocal about wanting more than one week off the end of the year. This might be the appropriate place to give them a week off before Memorial Day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that might be appropriate, actually. But what do I think is going to happen? I think it's going to stay at Texas Motor Speedway for at least two to three more years, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, maybe I'd say just move it move it back to Charlotte. Heck, maybe maybe I'd say try it on the Roval configuration at Charlotte, but just at Charlotte, don't do it any other track if they, if they do a Roval. But I don't know. I'd prefer if it just went away to give the teams that extra week off, personally, because in my opinion, the Clash is more of the all-star race. Like, you actually had legitimate celebrities coming out to that race in L.A., too. So, I don't know. I would say get rid of that, get rid of the all-star race in the middle of the year, and let's just keep the Clash as our all-star event. I mean, I said this earlier in the week. I mean, yeah, I said it, you know, earlier in the week on Monday, like after the race. I mean, the last great all-star race, and I think me and Jared had this conversation. And Jared, you said 2009 was, was in, in your opinion, right? What, yeah, yeah, that was from me, you. My my opinion of it, yeah. Yeah. Now, some others may vary, but I mean, I think I, I me personally, I, I agree with Jared. Like, I felt like, yeah, the last great all-star race we, the sport has had was back in 2009. And then. We're in the year 2022, and it's a totally different story now, you know, totally different era. And 
I don't know. Like, I, I feel like NASCAR, like, there's just no need for the all-star race anymore. Like Danny said, we've revamped the clash. It's like going to be this this big marquee thing to open up the season. I feel like now I feel like it's perfect. I feel like, okay, if you want to give like it out, if you want to give out a million dollars, just race, you know, wherever, you know, with um, in the clash and then just give the winner a million to start off the year. And then, yeah, just use that extra week that would have been the all-star race as, you know, a, like, um as an off weekend you know to give you know more of a breather to these teams and stuff because i don't know like it, i just something about like ha- seeing all these teams and stuff bringing all this equipment over to over you know over to the other side of the country from charlotte it just it sucks because i'm pretty sure everyone came into there knowing what type of product that they were going to put on and stuff but i i don't know i just just give these teams some just give these teams an uh an extra breather at this point so I, I have three different points. First point, what do I think they're going to do? I think it's going to stay at Texas until the end of the 2024 season. And then I think with a new TV contract, it'll probably still belong to SMI, but maybe things will be negotiated and it will go away or it will go to NASCAR where they can change it from there. But I think it'll be at Texas for at least two more years. Um, to your point, Darian, and, and you kind of said this as well, well, I, I don't think they should get rid of it. But if they were to get rid of it, yeah, I think – sort of merging it with the clash would make the most sense, make the clash even bigger because you're right. This year felt like an all-star race at the clash, whereas the all-star race felt like a bump in the road, kind of just get it out of the way. So I love the stadium. And this is kind of my third point is I love the stadium concept. And I do think if they keep the all-star race and if they maybe kind of lock in on the Coliseum as being the clash venue, or if they end up doing something else with the clash, maybe the all-star or the auto club short track, if that ever becomes a thing, maybe that's where the clash becomes a permanent fixture, but whatever they do with, the clash ignoring that i think the stadium concept is where the all-star race could flourish because if the all-star race continues to be held in may you can basically race anywhere in the country i mean you can even race in new york i don't think it i don't think it'll be too cold most times to race in new york you could race up in the seattle area you could race in chicago you could race in miami you could race in texas you could race in just about any major city major market in the u.s and potentially race in a stadium or even if the Chicago street thing falls falls through, but we know NASCAR is exploring a potential street race, make a street race in Dallas or in probably not going to happen in New York. It could happen in Miami, a different formula one, Las Vegas. You know, you, you put the street race somewhere else and make that be the all-star race because ultimately the all-star race needs to look to the naked eye different than any other NASCAR race. And the clash this year at the Coliseum achieved that. You tuned into the clash of the Coliseum and said immediately, this looks nothing like any NASCAR race I've ever seen. You tune into the race this weekend at Texas and it looks like any other Texas race in recent mm-hmm. years, 500 miles, 600, 300, it doesn't matter. It could be any of those races. So I think if you keep the all-star race around, I think you need to make it glamorous. It's a million dollars, which you know, maybe you'd increase the, the purse money. Think about inflation. A million today is not what a million was 20 years ago, whenever they started it. Two point Back when it was the Winston million. That's, that's mm-hmm. what it would equate to compared to the first million. How much would it? 2.7 million now. <laughs> so <laughs> up the purse perhaps, but I think more importantly, it's the venue. Everyone wants to argue about the formats, who should be eligible, et cetera. I think you got to start with the venue. And I'd like to see it continue in a glamorous venue, go to a market that otherwise doesn't get much NASCAR, make it make it as Hollywood as you can possibly make it, but not necessarily take it to Hollywood. And that's where I think it succeeds. I think if you want to chase a new fan, the all-star race is the place to do it. And Texas is just not going to achieve that. No, I- I want to ask, like, what, aside from the venue and and those who came, what was different leading up to the Clash this year that we had never had in a Clash before, but made it interesting to watch before the race itself, like the main race? 
And to me, it was the Heat. Because in the Heat, you had guys like Almirola. Uh, you had guys like Ty Dillon. You had guys like Alex Bowman who were fighting to make it against each other. And there were actual stakes. So I, I get to the point, too, about different venues and stuff like that. And I think that is an important part of it. But I think is that there has to be some kind of, of gravity to the entirety of the event. If you watched the Open this week, you didn't miss anything. There was nobody who was in the Open who, in my opinion, was going to be a real threat. There was no one in the Open this week that had any real pull or star power. The last time we had that was maybe Dale Jr. in 2011 and 12, or if Danica was the year after that. But aside from that, there was really no pull whatsoever for the Open. So I think I think having it be more exclusive is something that does need to be uh, explored. Because nowadays, if you have a vowel in your name, you're allowed in the all-star race. It was the same way with the Clash <laughs> in, in Daytona. Where, where Remember, we were having this, I, I think, a very similar, if not the same conversation about the Clash in 2020. Where it's like, we need to figure something out because what we're doing now isn't working. That was an absolute rock bottom for that race. And since then, it kind of birthed this amazing idea of racing out in L.A., which may or may not become, like, the new big traditional thing that NASCAR can do. And I think mm-hmm. that's where the all-star race is. Uh, if, if it were up to me, uh, and I know that Charlotte's not the greatest track, even though it had it for so long, if you want to get some kind of buzz at the track, and you know you're going to bring a big crowd at the track that can bring that buzz, while also bringing it, to a place that people watch on TV and traditional hardcore fans that are probably mad right now um, may turn it back on as well as some others. For a short time, I would say do it like the Saturday or Saturday night before the 600. You're going to have that huge crowd. I mean, we'll talk about it later. There's a huge crowd coming to the 600 this year. So you have a really big crowd. You have that atmosphere at the track. That has really been missing not only from just NASCAR's all-star race, but pretty much any all-star game in general nowadays. Um, and, and you'll probably have at least a year bump up that'll give you that buffer room between Texas and a second year of Charlotte that'll probably see a downtick in people watching. That That's my short-term fix. If it, if it were up to me, I say make it just winners and then you have those people in the open. I, I don't care about previous winners. I don't care about if you're a champion. If you were good for the 36 races before, and and maybe even the year before All-Star, sure, you're in that race. It's hard to get in that race. It's hard to win races in the Cup Series. And then the Open actually means something. That For me, that's what I would want to do. And, and have them race at a quarter mile like a Bowman Grace, and you're only going to have... You know, 14, 15, maybe a max of like 17 cars. You can do that there. It's a way to go to your kind of roots, but at the same time, it, you know, like you were saying, Eric, it would not look like any other NASCAR race on the schedule. Yeah, no, I like that idea. And I like I like making it more prestigious or, or closing it off a bit. I do think that's great. That's the hardest thing. The hardest decision NASCAR can make is closing big name drivers out of a race but i think that's what needs to be done to to add that drama to make it worth watching can kevin harvick wouldn't have been in the all-star race this year Mm -hmm. if if they'd gone with your kind of format Mm -hmm. and i think that would have been dramatic to see him try to race his way through the open and i'm with you like i love the stadium concept but really anything like you said that makes 
that makes it look different than a normal NASCAR race. If it's Bowman Gray, if it's North Wilkesboro, if it's the Nashville Fairgrounds, I'm all for. It. I, I just think it needs to look different. And you know, if the stadium concept works, I think I feel like you can race anywhere, including Bowman Gray. Well, leading into our last like subject on this, we've we've talked kind of kind of negative about this all star race, kind of negative about Texas Motor Speedway. Well <laughs> kind of negative. <laughs> well, apparently we are all uh people that just love to be mad, according to Marcus Smith, as he comments <laughs> this week saying that he, essentially he brushed off all criticism as just a small it is not small vocal minority that just always like to be mad. That was how he put well, it. I, okay, I, to his defense, what's he gonna say? Like he's like, man, my track sucks. Like, yeah, he's not. Right. He's just not yeah. gonna outright say that. Yeah, he's I not mean, gonna outright, outright say that, that. That that's like you know that's like the owner of the Jaguars coming out and being like, I know that we suck. It's like that will. But buy season suck. tickets anyways. Yeah, <laughs> buy tickets. We suck. It's like. Yeah, I, I so I get that, but at the same time, it's like you know he doesn't have the stopgap anymore. <laughs> That's I mean he doesn't have Eddie Gossage to push out there and take the <laughs> no. fire. Yeah. Eddie Gossage was like the man being crucified in front of TMS every year, and he retired and stuff. As soon as that, he, he's, he's like, nope, I don't gotta do that no he more. He is enjoying drinks out of a coconut somewhere right now. <laughs> Yeah, probably still thinking Texas is the greatest track on the schedule. Eddie Gossage and Derek Cope are enjoying drinks on a beach together right now. <laughs> They're enjoying their pina coladas somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, but obviously, like, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, to Jared's point, I mean, what, yeah, what's he gonna say? Like, yeah, our track sucks and stuff. Obviously, not. He's not gonna say that. But I, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like the uh, the only positive feedback that this race has gotten seems to be, for the most part, from people that were actually there. You know, it's like, yeah, like, you know, being at a race is like a whole lot different than seeing it on TV and stuff. But I mean, like, d- dude, read the room. Like Jeff Gluck's poll had not minus had 90 percent saying no. Like, yeah, it was not a good race. Like, I think that's a record for his stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it, I mean, I, I did confirm again, that was a record. That was the record low. Yeah, that's the record low. And and again, you have to remember, like, remember um, his his father. Um, had had once said that Kentucky would be more prestigious than Daytona. So okay, also, you can rip like, on him for that. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, that's that's pushing. I Not know, pushing. I know. That, that that's damn shoving it over the cliff. But I but again, not, it's crazy. It's just crazy with like some I'm, of the quotes they have. I'm not. I'm not gonna post up. You know, Marcus Smith for this one. That's like that. That's not egregious. He's not, He's he's got to say that. That's just. That's nowadays. That's just the normal thing. Just brush it off as the angry trolls. Yeah, yeah. I just wish he'd demonstrate some self awareness. Like, hey, yeah, we wish we, you know, this race wasn't as action packed as we'd hope. I mean, you got to phrase it as as nicely as he possibly can. But you know, in that same interview, in that same thing, he's like, you know, he basically confirmed they're going to stay at Texas for next year and just just refuse to acknowledge any of the criticism as legitimate. And that's the part that I think is a little frustrating. Like, I understand that they've sunk a lot of money into that facility and it would be really expensive to continue to sink money in to reconfigure it yet again. But, I mean, that's what needs to be done. And I know from a business standpoint, they probably don't want to do that. So, so I, that, that's what you, at that point, then what can you say? And, and to the, the point you made, Darian, there, I, I would say SMI in Texas deserve credit for bringing back a lot of the, the pre-race um, stuff at the track. Like, the Blake Shelton concert was very well put together. looked very professional. looked like but a real concert. Now, can you with explain that? 
was that in the garage area or on yeah the track? it was like okay. it was like in you had to buy the infield pass which is i don't know like 60 80 bucks oh, something like that so to get in you had to be to spend extra money on that yeah you so you had to buy the infield pass to really get a good view of it i mean they pumped it through the speakers everywhere you could have hung out in the grandstands and seen him as a little blip and listen to the music if you wanted to but i thought between that all the stuff they, they had more vendors and stuff outside the facility than they've had in recent years some of that's COVID. some of that's just you know maybe business was up this year that's all great um like in his defense dallas fort worth's a huge market nascar needs to stay there there's a lot of money in texas the track just sucks and he can't mm. say that last part and that's what's frustrating so i, yeah. I don't know I, like you said Jared, i'm not going to crucify him for these comments but it's it's frustrating nonetheless it feels bad to be so hateful about texas because me, me and Jared was talking about this uh dell jr was also kind of vocal about it this week on the show and uh you know that's the side of his very first win in the cup series it's pr- his first Bush win will come there too, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Side of yep. his first win in both of those series, it's side of Chase Elliott's first nationwide series victory. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, big drivers that got their first win at Texas, but it it's just not a track that we care about anymore. But hey, cl- closing it out here, at least we got the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. Yeah, yeah, they were there. Yes, yeah, they were there. Yeah, we we can go on all night about this. Uh, We should probably look at some of the other stuff that's come out of this weekend. Uh, Looking at the TV ratings this week, uh, the All Star Race got a one point three eight rating, with just under two and a half million viewers and five hundred forty five thousand in the eighteen to forty nine demo. None of these are particularly good numbers by any means f1 actually beat them by 1000 viewers in the key demo uh, mm. it's down 16 percent in ratings from last year nine percent down in viewership and 22 percent of the audience was in 1849 versus nearly half of f1's was i believe that race started way early in the morning um interestingly enough i didn't have it on here but the ratings did kind of match up what the all-star race was the year before this so last year's was just particularly high for some reason. Well, last uh, year's the race was in June. I don't know if that would help. I feel like that would hurt it, if anything, yeah. but maybe it helped. I don't know. I feel like yeah. it would hurt it, but it's like, at the same time, I can I can see the arguments either way for it. But overall, not the, not the greatest showing either, which might be a blessing in disguise, honestly. Uh, I feel like it's the bad races that we always come in here later and say, well, the ratings are way up for this lousy yeah, Kansas it, race. Yeah. It always it's feels like, yeah. Reflect it. Yeah, yeah. Some, but well, um, Eric's point, yeah. For some of the races, like some of some of some of the most random races, always get like these ratings boosts all the time. Well, yeah. what I what I saw too, um, somebody brought up a great point is that red flags always bring ratings down, never fails. Like yeah. it's just how it is. Yeah, people turn other stuff on. Uh, so that might might have had something to do with it. But overall, a nine percent and a and an eighteen percent uh, decrease. It was probably going to be down overall, and that's probably you know different year to different venue stuff like that. It would be up from the All Star Race in twenty twenty because the Bristol one was on a Wednesday, so maybe there was a bigger draw last year. Either way, not not a good showing. Um, but where we at least had a good showing in in votes was was where Darian the poll, the famous iceberg poll, 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 poll. While you're looking at the poll, I'm going to go grab me something to drink because I'm, like, feeling very tired for some reason. I'm going to blame it on Texas. 
Thyroid really needs <laughs> up a drink. This is that Texas talk. Well, while Danny's going to get a drink, I can tell you about the 15,500 people who voted. Whoa. Thank you. Rage um, clicks. <laughs> it was, uh, because these numbers are records for our poll as well. Our poll is always more positive than, than Gluck's. But looking at this. Six percent of you said this was a great race, and when I looked through the comments, most of the people saying "great" said I picked the wrong one. On YouTube, you can change it. It's not like Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can change it anytime. Um, but then looking at there, nine percent said it was good, so a net positive of fifteen percent, which Ooh. is the second lowest to Pocono twenty nineteen. That had fourteen percent, but that's the uh, only race I was thinking of that might be worse. Yeah, that's that it. Just like wait till we get because because they voted more average for that one. Thirteen percent of the audience said it was average this race, which means fourteen percent said below average, and a whopping fifty nine percent of our voters said that it was a bad race. Wow. Meaning, and see that that's all the Blaney the missed call at the end of the race because there's there's no way you can tell me this race was worse than Pocono twenty nineteen. I just I, I refuse to accept that. <laughs> it was it was on par. I will say I, I'd, argue Martinsville, I'd argue Martinsville was as bad or worse than this race, minus the I bad would. call. Well, more people voted average for that one. But looking at it, yeah. we had a net negativity of 73% for this race. Nearly three-quarters of our uh, of our voters said negative uh, in some way. I put, the ra- I put the poll out right as Blaney crossed the line, and I didn't care enough to take it back down and put it up again. But yeah, it's already out there. So the number one... Uh, comments from MVR owner who says the race didn't even finish and Jarrett upload the poll proves how <laughs> desperate we were for Texas to end. <laughs> um, Barry Boy Blast says I'm a pretty positive guy and usually try to find the positives in bad races like these, but oh my god, this race was atrocious. The tire failures plus the less than great racing plus the insanely bad call by NASCAR there at the end made this race just hard to watch. I think it's time we move to a new track for the All-Star race. Not going to happen. Um, Real quick, before we get off that completely, if it has to be an SMI track, where would you want to see the All-Star race next year? Like, um, we would go back to Charlotte? Because my here's my vote. My vote would be of all the SMI tracks out there, I'd pick Atlanta and, get, and make their two dates, one All-Star, one, you know, normal race. I think that, that one would be, but if I had to pick another one to be kind of, Fun. I, I gave the Charlotte option. This is... <sighs> Screw it. Nashville Fairgrounds. Oh, you, they found oh, a loophole. Yeah. Oh, smart. <laughs> I was just about right to down say the road. I, I was just about to say this. Either the Fairgrounds or for, you know, just for fun, let's do Vegas and have an EDC-themed NASCAR race. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you see those, like, videos of the whatever the big EDC? Oh, yeah. That's what happens. Yeah. There, was, that's, they like, were, that's it went vi- there were millions of views on that one clip that was viral on TikTok and Twitter. I was like, whoa. This, I mean, one, cool. this, this one Las Vegas local Twitter account had, like, um, they had uh, tweeted this funny tweet asking, um, name a better NASCAR track, and then everyone in the reply just ratios them like, oh yeah, like Daytona, Daytona Martinsville, Dega. <laughs> yeah, Martinsville, yeah, just like act like uh, all the diehards just ratioing this account. It's like, okay, name a better uh, SMI track, Bristol. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but it, but it looks nice though. Looks nice. Looking at some of these other ones here, uh, GH Camp Twenty Four said. All the reasons why people don't watch NASCAR anymore can be found within this race somewhere. <laughs> God, uh, I mean, it's, it's true. It's true, man. 
Uh, usually I'm trying to find negative ones because I don't want it to seem too positive. This week I'm trying to find positive ones because I don't want it to be overly it's, negative. Yeah, there's so many. Um, you know, Alamouche says, before I say anything, I want to say this was not an issue with the car. It was a massive issue with the track. Um, random content says we've gone through three generations of car now, and Texas has been awful almost every time. Okay, they, they were good with COT. Yeah, yeah, well, hold on. yeah, 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 it's it not was fine. Totally, yeah. It was never great, but it was fine. It was decent. It yeah. was at least respected. Uh, Isaac says, what smells rotten and puts people to sleep? This track, <laughs> okay. Um, oh, fine. We, oh, we got Never Gonna Give You Up uh, through Google Translate. Oh, I'm not Google gonna read Trans- that, but interesting <laughs> NBR owner. Um, let's see... See, a lot of people are saying what I said earlier. I had confidence going into this race. I was hopeful going into this race, and that's where the disappointment comes in. Big See, my, my expectations were so low. Maybe, maybe if I go all the way to the bottom, I'll find that positive comment that got downvoted. I'm laughing so hard, Danny, because Movement just said a, a comment saying, are we not going to talk about the fact that Danny isn't back yet? How long does it take to get a drink? <laughs> It's just a Gatorade. Where, where did you go, Daddy? Texas Motor Speedway. Texas Motor Speedway. Did you fall asleep along the way? <laughs> um, <laughs> Jesus, it's just negative. Negative. negative, Good Lord. negative we had like negative. 700 comments for this one. That's like damn near a record. <laughs> All right. From Ozark. Wait, hold on. Let me make sure I can read this first because I don't, I don't want to. You can't read? Half the time. <laughs> past 11 o'clock on Sunday nights um, let's see okay I can read this one from Ozark River Banks is it positive or negative negative it's positive that's probably why it got downloaded so much ne- negative negative I am done with NASCAR stop the bull crap <laughs> this is not the WWE where things are staged NASCAR can't just let who they want win boycott NASCAR is that Randy the Plumber um, that's, what it, that's what it sounded like for a moment. Okay, but imagine it was WWE. Oh, we're coming off turn four. Oh, it's it's Austin. Steve Austin's oh, here. Austin's He's got there. a chair. What, what would they call the move Chastain made on Kyle Busch? What would that be called? The sidewinder? Uh, the, the side splitter? That's they... probably the equivalent of the spear. <laughs> I, I realize I asked positive or negative on the wrong comment. So the first comment was from Ben Nelson. Was it positive or negative? Still negative. It was positive. probably positive because positive. the first comment, you said you posted this before the race was actually, he probably was saying, hey, congrats, Blaney, or something like that. That's my guess. Yeah, positive. He says, meh, not even cautions can make this race entertaining. Yeah. Hey. Well, at least it wasn't as negative as some of the others. Yeah. In fact, he literally said meh. That sounds like it's like mid-tier. It's decent. Yeah, it's decent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was the poll. So thank you the all poll. for voting on that. Now, there were two other races this weekend. I'll, I'll be real... You know, because I went back and watched them. I, I didn't get to see them live as I was, I was moving and stuff. But I, I, be, I went back and watched both of them. They weren't as... I don't think they were as bad as, as Sunday night. But at the same time, there really wasn't too much to take out of it. The Xfinity race was just crashes taking people out. Like, big that, that was, like, the big one right there. No pun intended. Um, 
The Truck Series race, to a point, though, was feeling a little bit like a 550 race. It did. Because they would get mm-hmm. beside each other, but they could not pass for the They line. couldn't. Like, we had, like, five trucks. Like, it was looking like they were about to battle for the lead towards the end of that race. But then, like, again, it just couldn't pass. Freeson did find a way to make the pass on that last race star. Yeah, yeah. he did. He did. Yeah, so, yeah we kind of had two run. underdog wins in a way. I mean, Freeson, when he's been in the playoffs before. But that truck, that team is not a heavyweight in the Truck Series. They don't typically, but- like, run up front like like that much you know and like i know tyler reddick won the xfinity race but it was the first win for big machine racing and while i know it's lame for a cup guy to come in and win i thought it was at least kind of cool to see a cup driver like elevate a mid-tier xfinity it, car and show you that it, drivers do matter it like, is essentially from what i've heard though that car is built by rcr but it hasn't run like that all year so that's my point still raises that the moment you put yeah. a good driver in it, it it shows you no disrespect to guys like jade buford whoever else has been in that car awesome, but like has Dylan? Oh, yeah, he has raced that car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No disrespect to all those guys, but it just shows you Reddick. Reddick's probably a little better than both of them and, and got better <laughs> results. So uh, that's all. But yeah. Yeah. I I don't think there's really too much more to bring. It's just it felt very momentum driven. And like you were saying, the 550, it, it felt very 550 ish in the uh, in the truck race. And trucks, truck races don't ever really feel like that. No. Never. So that yeah. was that was definitely pretty odd to, to see. Um, but I think it, it shouldn't be surprising because this is how the racing was the last couple of years, you know, with these packages. So I wouldn't, I, w- I wouldn't go, you know, too overboard, um, with all of it. But it also proves to me too, like, I don't know, like, unless like, if you're a cup guy who's, who, who isn't named Kyle Bush, if you win a race, nobody cares. <laughs> they don't, man. Like, I mean, Cole Cusser's won this year and then. Tyler Reddick, but also too, they've ran for like the smaller teams as well. So I think that also helps out. Yeah. Does do we have anything? You know, Eric, you were you were there, right? Well, so, I wasn't there for those yeah. races. Okay. So yeah. do do we really have too much more that we can really add in, or we can yeah, move on fine. from Texas? We can move on finally from Texas. <laughs> it wasn't oh that God. bad. It was like torture. Fine, Jared. <laughs> it was that bad, dude. Hey, like reading y'all's I'm tweets, saying. it sounded like someone had. Oh y'all yeah, no, we were hung up. I was done. I was toasted. Didn't mean that it was bad for me. <laughs> <laughs> you had a tweet that was like ten beers in in Texas. I still was. Sucks or something. Like yeah. that. And I'm like, yeah. wow. My yeah, it was, it was, it was Ten it was, beers couldn't change your mind. Dang, it was bad. Somebody sent me like fourteen in. Ain't ain't much better. And I'm like, uh oh, <laughs> my. My strategy is has been. If noted. anything, if anything, it kind of made it worse in some aspects, I guess, because it was so bad. It was so bad, but you're already like so far gone. So it's like, oh no. Yeah. But nah, but we we can we can definitely move on then. You got you got a timer for me, Danny? I'm gonna make sure I have mm-hmm. all this stuff ready to go. Sweet. So, all right. So how y'all been while he's doing that? <laughs> I'm getting a lot of. I'm getting all through. Let's see. Oh, we got a good amount. Okay, uh, whenever you're ready to time. Three, two, one, go. Uh, starting off, thank you to John uh, Van Deventer uh, for the four ninety nine super chat. Says you should do also do a suck dark horse and win Indy 500 pick as well. Well, we're doing the win. Again, largest super chat for the chat gets to pick the chat pick for the Indy 500. Sitting at $48 at the moment. We'll probably get to that in a moment. Uh, Isaac, thank you to the 499, says Jar Jar Binks. It is time to put aside our differences and take down the Tex ass. 
uh, Speedway Menace. <laughs> Take your Death Star and obliterate the tractor ruins. Uh, I don't want. I don't want to get Homeland Security called on me. So that was a joke. Um, Good thing you don't have a Death Star. Yeah. Uh, Philip Richards, thank you for the two dollar super chat. Says, please put this towards the Texas nuke fund. Okay, <laughs> Jesus, guys. Dang, I got um, Texas to trend now. Sorry. PTM <laughs> Billy, thank you for the one ninety nine. Time for another Texas race roasting. Blow it up. <laughs> Jeez, I've never seen people this united. Granted, it's in a negative way. Yeah. Nicholas Gray, thank you for the five dollars. Says, can Blaney making that mistake uh, a lack? Ken Blaney making that mistake a lack of having a driver meeting before the race, a f- factor not fully known that night. You're having trouble reading that one. No, no, I, you look at the it. way it's worded. It no, sounds like it's, it's worded. Okay. It's, yeah, yeah. The way it's worded, I, I, I'm not sure. Bad. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, Mark Moore, thank you for the $18 super chat. Thank you, Jarrett, for interacting with me recently. On the Brett Cooper live stream, I would like to watch this more, but I am overwhelmed with content these days. No problem. Watch it. Watch as you will, man. Yeah. Take your uh, time. Wonton underscore 10 for 999 says, uh, it's always hard to hear negativity about Texas. Even if it's true, it's my home track. And I hold it close to my heart. Was there this weekend and also brought a friend who had never been. It was great. See, so yeah, I, I felt the same way. People would rebut Chicagoland a lot, a lot so... Mm. What, what was this guy's com? What was his name again? Uh, wonton underscore ten. Wonton underscore ten. You and me in the exact same boat. All the criticism Texas faces is justified, but it's hard to hear. And I, I also brought a friend to their first race this weekend, so that's a, that's really random, very surprising. Uh, Nova Stone twelve. Thank you for the two dollars. Says I like Reddick. I hate that he won for a bad owner. I don't know about that. Uh, each I don't know the whole story own. there. Uh, here's Alex Vivieros uh, with a $48 super chat that is currently leading the uh, the little bargain we have for who picks the Indy 500 for the chat. Says, uh, first of all, praying for the families in the Texas shooting. Can't imagine dealing with that. The Indy yeah. 500 pick I go with is Alex Pillow. Uh, so uh, Alex Pillow is the chat's pick at the moment. Letting you all know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nova Stone 12. Oh, well, I'll go with one more. Nova Stone 12. Thank you for the $5 super chat. NASCAR's having one of its best seasons, and everyone's complaining a lot. It's just the all-star race. Let's move on and forget it. Forget it. The season's not ruined. I know the season's not ruined. That's actually an appropriate one to end on because let's move on. Yeah, Yeah. let's move on. Uh, But first, let's thank uh, our first sponsor for tonight in Lionel. Lionel brings you the Super Chats and the upcoming Lightning Round. It's the official diecast of NASCAR. You can order your new 2022 diecasts of your favorite NASCAR drivers now at LionelRacing.com, as well as any authorized Lionel Racing dealer. Uh, and don't miss NASCAR Authentics Lionel diecasts at Walmarts near you, as well as some other stores as well. Guys, what do we have tonight, Darian? You can just explain it like a radio version. <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say, what do I do here? So, you can just describe guess... any car you've ever wanted to exist in diecast form. I won't believe you. <laughs> any car? All right, no, no, no. So, like, the one I have in front of me that I was going to show off was this Morgan Shepard one from the 1993 season, which included his final career win at, at 
at Atlanta Motor Speedway. At the Atlanta. Sport. Yeah, yeah. Back. There he goes. Comes back. The old news comes back. Yes. I. Oh my gosh. He had three of his four wins came there. So like uh, he had a very interesting ending to his career. But yeah, this is uh um when he drove for the uh, the Wood Brothers. I wish you guys could see it, but unfortunately, we'll take <laughs> you your word for it. I'll stop by tomorrow. All right. Well, I've got uh, in honor of him going for his first well making his first indy 500 start but obviously going for the win i've got jimmy johnson's uh, old darlington throwback you know he threw it back to a couple of legends nascar legends dale earnhardt richard petty if and i know we'll talk about this later but if jimmy johnson who has at least shown speed this week or the last couple of weeks if jimmy johnson wins the indy 500 this weekend he will join aj foyt and mario andretti like the first two names anyone thinks of when they think of racing in this continent he will join them as the only drivers to ever win the daytona 500 and the indy 500 so i wanted to to yeah i know exactly like, that even, would be even crazy. if he's not your pick like god i'm rooting for history honestly this weekend mm-hmm. uh but yeah so i got jimmy's uh one of his last nascar rides right here and I have got, since we just got done with the All-Star Race, got a card I watched in the only All-Star Race I've ever been to. I've got the Alex Bowman Chevy Goods car. And this is the one the where it's got, yeah, the curse number, but it's also got the lights in the back of it, too. So you can turn oh, yeah. that off and on. So, you know, the only car I've ever rooted for in an All-Star Race in person. So I have Dale Jr.'s 2011 National Guard 164. I did this kind of in part to the video I did today about, you know, it was being 11 years since his uh, him losing that race right at the it end. Feels on the like same, it feels the, like yesterday. On the same day that J.R. Hildebrand lost in the National Guard car in the final corner on the final lap at Indianapolis. Awesome story. A lot of people don't connect those dots. And I thought I'd bring it on, seeing how a lot of people really like that one today. So, plus, this is just a really good looking car. Yeah, I love that. I love his 2011 schemes. Love them. Oh, and there's the car. There's the, the car. bumper cam. Bump drive. Bump drive. Right. <laughs> See, I wish I could do the bumper cam. I missed that. No, you're just doing car. it with the invisible car from Harry Potter. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, thank you, again, once again, thank you to Lionel for sponsoring the show and for supporting us. And now, Darren. Uh, guys, did you just get the alerts on your phone? Actually, I was hearing it outside. Oh yeah, I was hearing it outside too. And it's the lightning round on the NASCAR Weekly Podcast. Jarrett, what do we have on tap for tonight? Actually quite a lot. By the way, I have my computer here, so if I'm like, that's fine. <laughs> going back and forth. Uh, so starting off, JGR has hired JTG owner Ted G's marketing agency. I'm sorry, that is a hard last I'm, name. I'm going <laughs> to guess you would say that, Geschker. Geschker, so let's say that, Geschker's uh, marketing agency to help sell sponsorship. JGR is in advanced talks at the moment with a major tech company for a one-year deal on that number 18 car, according to Adam Stern. Uh, Kurt Busch's number 45 race win diecast is actually now available, uh, thanks to Lionel as well. Mm. Uh, ARCA had 440,000 viewers at Kansas. Now, we usually don't talk about ARCA in general on this show, but especially viewership for ARCA, if it's not for something really good, it was plus 48% compared to the same race in 2021. Uh, dang. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that super chat later in the show. Uh, Richard Childress confirmed that RCR will build the engine for the NASCAR Hendrick Garage 56 entry for Le Mans next year. 
according to Greensboro News. <laughs> KSI and Logan Paul's new sports drink, Prime Hydration, will sponsor Tim Hill this weekend at Charlotte, according to Adam Stern. Uh, M&M's is sponsoring the Pocono race this year. Uh, the M&M's Fan Appreciation 400. Uh, let's be real. Like, Can we get Dalton Good into some role with that? So, so yeah, yeah, they are inviting a lot of fans, and one of them will even get to be the the person who gives a command to start engines. Dalton Good would do that really yes. good. Yeah, make him, yeah, let him do that. The dude's, a, be... the dude's a meme now, thanks to Daytona. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Something that isn't a meme and is really good is grandstand seating ticket sales for the Coca-Cola 600. You know why? They're sold out. 93,000 stands uh, in the stands sold out, not including the infield. We got over 100,000 people more than likely going to be at the 600. Awesome news. Um, so Attaboy and Ascar, the attend- we might rip on TV ratings or some racing here or there, but the attendance is consistently getting better this I year. I wish and you it's had that the way you're about to, because I would have literally seen 93,000 stands sold out. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Um, I only did this one just because I wanted to read it on the stream. Chicken Cock Whiskey is sponsoring Cole Custer this weekend. There's a car and everything. Wow. Chicken what? Chicken, Chicken cock. what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, depending on how how you read it, it'd be cock cock whiskey. Uh, yeah. Trackhouse has announced that it will field a number ninety one car that will be a third part time car and will aim to bring in drivers from around the world to compete in NASCAR starting this year. And actually, right before the show, they announced that they're making an announcement tomorrow. So nice. keep a look out for that. And you don't have it wrote on here, but I just seen that Junior Motorsports will have an announcement tomorrow too. About something. Ooh, ooh, intriguing. Ooh, well, very, that's very intriguing. But we'll have to do it after the lightning round, Darian. We'll have to yep. do it tomorrow. And that'll do it for this edition of the lightning round on the NASCAR Weekly Podcast. And now back to the show, everybody. And now for everyone's favorite segment of the show every single week. You were just talking about chicken, cock, whiskey. Well, let's talk about Forney Industries. Uh, Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and much more. Great for do-it-yourselfers, or if you're a professional metal worker, doesn't matter where you land, Forney has everything you need for your next project. So check them out at ForneyIn.com, ForneyIND.com. Link is down in the description below. Or check them out an authorized Forney dealer near you. Yes, I know the chat always loves the Forney segment. Thank you to Forney for supporting the show. Now, as we roll into the second half of the show tonight, uh, let's go over one kind of story, and it's kind of like a mixture of stories, to be completely honest, just because of all of the stuff he said through the week. Denny Hamlin has been in the news a lot this year. A lot of it's been him being critical of, of NASCAR, of officiating, of you name it. Denny Hamlin's been very critical. And earlier this week, I kind of broke out that Denny Hamlin told Jim France in March uh, that until he and his partners see a change in NASCAR's business model, all further investments in 2311 racing will be put on hold. Um, what does that mean exactly? I feel like so, it's a loaded statement. So we explained yeah. it a bit. Uh, basically that the drivers need to be in tune and in part working to figure out where the money is going with the new TV deal. And until that happens... Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan are not going to expand 2311, which they've been told they have everything in place that they can do so with. 
So they're basically kind of holding NASCAR to the feet, NASCAR's feet to the fire, and asking for drivers and owners to, especially drivers, I should say, I feel to like get this more is, of an understanding of I feel where like we're going. Has has any other team owner in NASCAR history like publicly said like, hey, like NASCAR, like what's going on, or else like, hey, we're not gonna. Like, well, has that ever happened before? It's also that he said it privately to the CEO of yeah. NASCAR, like the titan of the industry. He went to him, apparently, according to his word, and told him, hey, until we figure this out, until something changes, like we're going to sit on our hands. You know that third car we've been talking about? You know that new shop we said we were going to build? Now nah, we're going to sit on our hands and, and kind of twiddle our thumbs, not invest any more into your sport until we have a clear picture of, of what the next TV contract and what the, ne- the new business model is going to be. Really, he's talking about, and this is the way he phrased it, was the pie. 65% of the TV money goes to the tracks, about 25% goes to the teams. And basically, he's lobbying for the teams to get a higher percentage so they're not as dependent on sponsorship mon- money to survive. Now, I talked about this in my show today. That's easier said than done. Like, obviously, the tracks do need a lot of money because they only host one or two weekends a year, and it's expensive to maintain tracks. So they need to uh, money from the TV deal does matter. But perhaps there is more room for the teams to get a larger slice of that pie, and that's what Hamlin's obviously lobbying for. He believes the money's there; it just needs to be allocated d- differently. Um, but no, like you said, Darian, no, I, I, we don't usually hear this this kind of. It's not quite an ultimatum, but it is like a. It's not even really a threat either. It's just a. Well, it's no, he's just being honest. Yeah, he's just yeah, being it's honest. Just like, word. yeah, like, look, hey, until until we figure out where the new money's gonna go with this new deal and stuff, hey, I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna chill well, out. I'm just not gonna invest anymore. I'll put it like this, because Denny Hamlin, I think, you know, has proven he is he it, you know, we t- we talked about it a bit last year, but he has I think proven this year he is the leader in the garage. People listen mm-hmm. to what Denny Hamlin has to say, and I think where Denny Hamlin can't really pick up when it comes to pushing around with money and stuff his business partner can michael jordan i'm i I looked it up right now the man is worth 2.2 billion dollars that's all yeah like yeah that's all where's your 2.3 yeah (laughs) but he's worth 2.2 billion dollars so where hamlin's mouth is Jordan and anyone that's partnering up because you know that people partnering with michael jordan are not going to be you know empty pocketed they can put the money where Hamlin's mouth is. And I think that's why this should be taken as seriously. And I, Eric, you'd said that Hamlin had said that. Was was it Hamlin that just tweeted it? I didn't see where the origin came from. I just saw the articles and read up a bit on it. Like, was it Hamlin that put that out there publicly after saying it privately? Or did somebody it was, that? It was in Adam Stern's um, article he wrote in Sports Business Journal. He included a quote from Hamlin that I guess he said to him, because I haven't seen that quote anywhere else where Hamlin said, yeah, I talked to Jim France and told him this, told him that we're not going to invest anymore until the business changes or whatever. I'm paraphrasing. I see that as as <coughs> Hamlin's basically, you know, pushing pushing it out there. He's he's going to have the court of public opinion behind uh, uh, behind him and I I'd say that's that's just a step of escalation for him. You know, I think saying it behind the scenes to start with months ago was his That's way true. of being like, hey, we're not happy here. We need to change this. And they've said as much before. Now, putting it out there like this, this is like, you know, I, I'm i not going to say, I won't. I don't think it'll go you know, too far at the moment, but I would say that this is probably the most vocal that drivers have been about where money, where everything kind of gets pushed when it comes to NASCAR's decision-making probably since the PDA back in the 60s. Like, 
Well, I, I think really, I mean, think about it. There's no union I, in NASCAR. I think we should be specific. I think it's mainly Denny Hamlin leading this charge. You don't even yeah. see Kyle Busch speaking on these kinds of topics very often. And if he does, it's like through a veiled, cryptic tweet that he expects everyone to understand. And mm-hmm. he does. Like, that's the kind of way he communicates things sometimes. Yeah. Hamlin's really the one leading the charge. And I think it's because he feels he's always been outspoken firstly like he's been talking about teams getting a larger slice of the pie since like 2019 but i think now that he's a team owner and now that he's not just getting paid to race he is paying at the same time to have other people race he's he's putting more of his money into the industry i think that makes him feel more empowered and and it should he should now be more empowered because of the money he's invested so I, i think a lot of this speaks to hamlin being at kind of at the forefront of this new generation of owners and industry executives. Like we talk all about Justin Marks and Trackhouse doing things a different way. Jeff Gordon's now one of the top guys at Hendrick. Uh, Brad Keselowski's buying in over at Roush. Hamlin now with, with 2311. And, and in the industry, we talk about Ben Kennedy. The clash was his baby. They gave, he's what, like 30 years old? They let him mm-hmm. sort of steer the ship when it came to racing at the Coliseum. And look how well that panned out. Like, I, I think this is just sort of Hamlin's leading this, this charge from this somewhat younger generation of industry leaders and is kind of pushing back against the way that the Jim Francis and the Mike Helton's and the Joe Gibbs is the way they've always kind of done things. And this is a point I made on my show and I want to hear what you guys think about this, but I think Hamlin's the right guy to lead this because when he got into NASCAR, it was the mid two thousands, the sport was at its peak and almost immediately upon Hamlin arriving, it started to decline. So Denny Hamlin wasn't in the industry, wasn't involved, wasn't around during the, the rapid growth of the 90s. He never saw that, at least not from the inside. So I think his perspective, he's really only been in the sport during its decline, is important to go up against, you know, Richard Childress, who's been in the sport since like the 70s or whatever, you know, who's seen it rise and fall. You know, he's seen everything and maybe holding on to those those boom days of the 90s, whereas Hamlin has only seen the decline of the 2000s and 2010s. And I think now that you have Hamlin's voice in the room, as he put it, you know, you got to tell the dinosaurs, the Richard Childresses and other owners like that, you got to tell them that they have to eat differently. Like they have to change the way they've always done things. And I think people who've been in the industry for 40 or 50 years have a harder time seeing that than someone who's only been around 20 years or 15 years and has really only seen the decline. So that's why I think Hamlin's a really good voice to have leading this charge. But I'd be curious if you guys like the way Hamlin handles this stuff or do you wish he kept it more private? Like, I don't know. Well, no, I like, I like that he's being public with it. You know I mean? Like he, uh, he owns a team now and stuff like, I mean, yeah, Kyle Busch is usually like, I mean, yeah, I mean, um, the way he handles stuff is like way different than Denny Hamlin when it comes to criticizing the sport and stuff. But I mean, Hamlin's like his opinion holds a lot more uh, weight now, in in my opinion, because he's a car owner now in the Cup Series, you know, like. um, So, yeah, I mean, I feel like it also um, it'll help out with his legacy as well, because like I feel like also, you know, not only will people remember his Hall of Fame career, but they'll also remember him for calling out NASCAR for not getting with the modern times as well. You know, well, that makes sense. And looking at it here, you know, I'm, I'm looking at some of the different stuff about it. You know, Hamlin is 41 years old compared to a 77-year-old Jim France, who is the son of Bill France Sr., um, which according to what all, all, you know, all this is saying here. So there is a quick math here 36 year age difference between the two of them uh and looking at what he's saying here the the big one i the the big quote i liked is cutting does not equal growth if we start working collectively then we can grow the sport together but the business model will have to change for that to happen and and that's why what, what i like about hamlin being the one leading the charge is because he explained it pretty well when i was listening to 
the podcast that he was on with Dale Jr. is like that you have a sponsor, for instance, that they got for Richmond, that because NASCAR had them with Richmond already sponsored there or a, or a competitor, they can't have that sponsor at Richmond. They can't have the sponsor they worked hard to bring in. And I think that's where where he's right. I mean, when he explains it more in depth, people might say at first he's complaining, but it, it is a bunch of, you know, I, I don't, for lack of a better term, it's, it's almost like a bunch of chickens with their heads cut off running around and, and eventually they'll hit together and hit something. Whereas if you have everyone working together the way that, for instance, and I, I know this is what he was he was going towards, the way the NFL teams work with the NFL for a lot of things, and the NFL Players Association works with them, you don't need to be just like stick and ball sports and how you run things in your competition, but the way to run things behind the scenes has, has been proven to work out. Uh, even if they don't, you know, and I don't think they're going to have a driver's union or team owner's union by any means, but that collectively there is the same goal, have people meet together. I, I think that is the right way to go about it, you know, because it's been proven, like we were talking about, the last 20 years have seen NASCAR go from a sport that was breathing down the NFL's neck for being the most popular sport in America to a I mean, for lack of a better term, when it comes to the modern sports market, completely irrelevant, aside from when, whenever somebody either says something horrible or almost dies. So I, I think there needs to be that drastic change behind the scenes because NASCAR's done drastic changes in front of everyone and it hasn't brought into, you know, brought into fruition what NASCAR's been intending for it. So I'm 100% for it. Completely, you know... Cut down everything that isn't working. Get all the, the you know, just, I don't know how to word it. You know, it, it, but you know you know what I mean by it more that there's no reason not to try something new behind the scenes when they continuously mo- lose money year over year. And if that's the way that Hamlin has to speak to them about it, that, hey, you're going to lose money and I'm not going to be the one who's buying into a losing product, then that has to be how it has to be. Like there's and no I other think, way to put it. And I think, and, and I don't think they actually think this way necessarily, but maybe subliminally there's a bit of this, but Hamlin's only, like you said, 41 years old. Like he wants to be in this industry, not as a driver, but he wants to invest in this industry for 10, 20 years. Like this is how he's going to make his living going forward. Um, a lot of these owners who are 60, 70, 80 have business, other businesses. Rick Hendrick could just go you know, deal with his car dealerships forever. He doesn't have to keep racing. These other guys, have millions and millions of dollars or have been doing this long enough that they're kind of on their way out. You know, if the sport kind of falters for another couple of years, they don't really care because then they don't, they're not going to be doing it that much longer. They don't have 30 years ahead of them. Hamlin does. And that's why I think Hamlin's taking it very seriously. Why Justin Marks is taking it very seriously. Why I think even guys like us take it really seriously and fans who are our age take it very seriously because, you know, we're all 20, 30, some people 40 years old and we want to either be involved in racing or watch racing for another 30, 40 years. And it's going to take radical changes behind the scenes to make sure that actually is a reality. But if you're 70 years old and NASCAR falters out and dies in five years, which it won't, but if it did in like five years, you don't care. You're 70, 75 yeah. years old. You know? I mean, <laughs> yeah. You're I'd on the like, way out too. I'd like to live a long life and I'd like to watch NASCAR until the day I die. So, Well, and look at, uh, for instance, some of the positive changes that Roger Penske has made for IndyCar in the last year or two. Roger Penske is 85 years old. If Denny Hamlin goes in, in, you know, 
long-term in NASCAR, as long as Roger Penske has gone into racing, that's 44 more years. So, like, he's looking at nearly half a century of his future that he could either invest in, or if they're not serious about it, that he might have to either... I wouldn't say he'd move on from, but definitely not completely put all his eggs in that basket. So it's like, when when I hear what Hamlin's saying, and I see that, you know, Hamlin is probably in the last two or three years of his career. The performance this year, maybe it's a fluke, or maybe it's just a, a showing of things to come. He knows the end is coming for his driving career, and that he needs to have a different role that makes a difference in the sport, more than just what you see on TV every day. Or every yeah. week. Um, and so I think for him, it is, it, it's urgent. Because he knows that while he has time compared to a lot of these other dinosaurs, as he would call them, it, it's not like, you know, putting these things into play is going to happen like that. A lot of these things have to happen with long-term contract sending. I mean, as, as good as it was for 2012 to sign it, a 10-year TV deal nowadays is probably one of the dumbest possible things to do, <laughs> not because you're getting tons of money for it, but, be, but because you can't edit what you do. You can't change the course of how you cover the sport when you're relying on you know, stuff that's a decade out of date, stuff that we did in 2012 doesn't, you know, when this deal was signed, doesn't matter in 2022. You know, more people are watching stuff online and are, are on YouTube than are on normal cable TV nowadays. There's a reason that we see all the Fox races getting upticks in TV ratings and all the FS1 ones going down. So it it it, it is, I think... It is worth listening and seeing where Denny Hamlin goes with this stuff because I think where he looks is where a lot of these younger guys are looking. These guys in their you know later 30s and into their 40s and probably even 50s, it's where they're looking and and where they want the sport to go. And like it or not, these you know these guys that are running it now are not going to be around in 20 years. The sport that we we have now will for sure the way it's run probably not be recognizable by 2040. So I, I think it's important to just watch pretty much everything he and these younger guys say because it's, it, it's a sneak peek of what we're going to get, whether it's with the times or chasing the times. Yep. Yeah. And, and I, I think Hamlin's, again, I think Hamlin's the right guy to lead it because he isn't afraid to speak his mind. I think sometimes he's, he's a little over the top, a little too bold, maybe a little overly emotional, and I think there's some fair concerns about that. But ultimately he's – Ultimately, he's not afraid. That's the big thing. He's not afraid to to push for changes to the status quo. And in this case, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. A lot about NASCAR is broke and has been broke for at least the last 10, 15 years. So I think there is room for fixing. And so Hamlin's ideas should be listened to and should be heard and be given just as much credibility, I think, right now as guys like Richard Childress, Jack Roush, Joe Gibbs, Jim France, et cetera. So I, I hope it's, and it sounds like that's kind of sort of becoming the case and that's good i think yeah yeah hopefully nascar can self-evaluate and see what's wrong i think that's what's been needed the whole time i mean self self-evaluation in my opinion is the thing that that nascar if the, you know I don't, I don't think nascar ever would have remained where it was in the mid-2000s that exponential growth is is never sustainable um for any sport or racing uh series but I think if there was just a little self-evaluation, a little bit of humbleness shown by those running the sport, I don't think some of the problems we have now would be in play. You know, so I I think if if this new brass really wants to show that they are not 
they are not the Brian France regime with the with the head cut off the snake. I think this is this is a huge crossroads moment that they need to you know be put up in the mirror, look in the mirror, and, and see what we need to do right or wrong. They can say it in the media all day and uh, and and uh, all night, but the actions right now are going to be the big things that we all need to watch to speak you know loudest of all. And at the end of the day, even though the drivers have a big input in it, the the fans do have to be happy with the, with the product as well. And you know, speaking of the fans uh, and and how they enjoy the what they say and the content around it, uh, Jared. Why don't you read that that membership status that just come in? Oh, from uh, NRF eighteen. Thanks for being a member for nine months. He says uh, five years ago I became a fan because of what y'all do. Thanks. Well, thanks. That's Thank nice you. to know that we we made someone become a fan of NASCAR because they enjoyed watching us talk about it. So that's kind of nice to see that. Yeah, that means a lot. Thank you. Well, should we get into that then? I'd say we got we got the greatest day in motorsports coming this week. Yes. So. Yes, we do. So, again, we've I've talked about it a little earlier in the show. We do this one episode just a little different than all the others, seeing how the Indy 500 is a big deal for uh, pretty much all of American motorsports fans and, and racing fans in a lot of ways. So this week we're going to be previewing Charlotte, as we always do for NASCAR. Congrats, Slap. Congrats, Slap. She survived. Yeah. Hey, there you go, Slap. He survived. <laughs> I'm glad. I, I, I had fan. I, I ran a bunch of people asking to asking for Slap at the track. They're like, "Where's Slap? Where's Slap?" And I'm like, "I have no idea." But I'm glad to see Slap. <laughs> he also. Oh, really quick. He also said, I have never seen so many people so mad at a race before. (laughs) (laughs) I was worried he had, like, hidden himself in a bunker. He, like, backed out last second. I can't go to Texas. Are you kidding me? Texas motor speedway. (laughs) Glad to know you made it and you survived slap. And on top of that, he had an update to the pigeon cam. I don't know if y'all saw. Oh, nice. But. It's a huge update. Yeah. But. On top of the NASCAR stuff we're going to talk about this week, we are, again, talking about the Indy 500. So, going into this. Uh, let's look at all of the four races that we're going to be looking at this uh, weekend. Starting off, the truck race. The North Carolina Education Lottery 200. It's 134 laps starting at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on FS1 and MRN. The weather forecast does not look very good. 78 degrees, thunderstorms, and it's a 98% chance of those thunderstorms. Oh, no. Is that all? Oh, yeah, that's all. That's all. (laughs) Uh, but the defending winner is John Hunter Nemechek, for reference. Uh, the Xfinity race name will be the Allsco Uniforms 300. It is 200 laps, starts at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, or noon uh, Central Time, on FS1 and PRN. Uh, looking a lot better for that one. 78 degrees, mostly sunny, and 8% chance of rain. Ty Gibbs is your defending winner on that one. And the sponsorless car. Yes. Uh, Actually, hold on. Before you say this one, we don't have it wrote down, but as I saw some people mention out, you do got to have breakfast at Monaco. Well, yeah. But yeah. I don't think as many fans, especially after the reaction the last couple of weeks of F1 talkers, are interested in yeah. stuff with breakfast, Indy. They've been breakfast at Monaco there. is like a continental breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> some bagels. <laughs> Maybe some fruit. <laughs> I'll be up in the morning to watch it, though. Well, I, I will do. We, I may or may not stream during all three of those races. We'll find out as we go. But IndyCar race, the 106th running of the Indianapolis 500. It's 200 laps. 
Uh, starts, at least from what it was listed, starts at 12.45 p.m. Eastern Time on NBC and IndyCar Radio. Uh, the weather, looking pretty good. 81 degrees, mostly sunny and warm. 7% chance of rain. Last year's winner was Elio Castroneves. And then we finish off the night with the Coca-Cola 600. 400 laps at Charlotte. 6 p.m. Eastern Time start time on Fox. Big Fox. Last Big Fox race of the year, uh, and it's also on PRN. Weather for that one, best of any of the races we've talked about this weekend. 83 degrees Fahrenheit, mostly sunny and pleasant. Only a 3% chance of rain, which has went down from an 83% chance of rain that it was only two days ago. That's a pretty big drop. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, The defending winner of this one is Kyle Larson, and in the booth this week is Jamie McMurray. Yes, yes. Now, Darian... For those uh, watching the cup race this weekend, what are the odds when it comes to winning and so on and so forth? So let's go over the betting odds on the NASCAR weekly podcast for this year's running of the Coca-Cola 600. The favorites entering this weekend are Kyle Busch and Kyle Larson tied for P1 at plus 550. Chase Elliott at plus 600. Martin Truex Jr. at plus 1,000. And rounding out the top five is William Byron at plus 1,200. As for the best of the rest, we have Tyler Reddick, Ross Chastain, and Alex Bowman, all three at plus 1,400 to win this weekend. And for my favorite part of the segment, the underdogs. We have Kevin Harvick at plus 3,000, Daniel Suarez at plus 4,000, Austin Dillon and Austin Sendrick at plus 5,000, and finally, Eric Jones at plus 7,000. And as for this week's... um, Pod, um, NASCAR Weekly Podcast Fantasy League pick points. We didn't have, we don't have to go over it this week because um, there's no change to them because of the All Star Race ran last week. So we'll have to see how it changes up after the Coca Cola 600 weekend. Well, one thing, one thing that did change a little bit was the pick points this week. Eric has 228 points uh, and now a 14 point gap on the chat. 28 points to Darian, and then Danny and I are now tied for fourth, minus 57. Danny getting the tiebreaker. This this is us literally hanging out in the basement right now. Oh, yeah, you tied. can even see the light back there that's hanging in the Starts basement. Starts to flicker. <laughs> there, there it is. Um, but yeah, we're tied minus 57, but it continues the trend of the top and the bottom uh, of the pick points getting closer and closer together over the past few weeks. So, let's get right into it here. Uh, let's start it off with, we got the picks this week, we got the truck winner, Xfinity winner, Cup Suck, Cup Dark Horse, Cup winner, and then Indy 500 winner, uh, last but not least, and chat, again, $48 is where the betting is for that one, so you gotta beat that if you want your pick to be the chat pick for the Indy 500. Uh, starting off, Eric, let's roll off, who do you got for the truck series? Oh, man, the truck race is going to stink. Kyle Busch going to win it. 51 truck. Yeah, I was about to say Kyle Busch, KFB, truck series winner. Sorry. If it, it maybe runs on Saturday and shakes things up. I don't know. Kyle Busch. Uh, I'm going four for four. Kyle Busch. <laughs> and the and chat, the Zane Smith, it looks like. Oh, calling out. Calling out. I saw I, one. I Ignore all the Kyle Bushes that are coming in now. No, no, no. They said Zane first. <laughs> I mean, Zane's not a bad pick, but it's no kind yeah. There's a lot of Zane Smiths. Do they actually want Zane Smith over Kyle Bush? I was just joking, but now I'm not ah, so sure. Interesting. It's your channel, Jerry. You, you, you make the call. 
Actually, there's a lot of zanes. Oh man. my gosh, it is. There's a lot of zanes in there. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. Not in there, a bad man. pick, but it's not a good there's one. There's a either. lot of Kyle <laughs> Busch too, but. Uh, some guys they want to take a swing though it sounds like maybe we should do a poll poll i'll pull I'll, uh, yeah why not i want to yeah, pull it just because if, if it actually ends up being zane i'll be shocked i want to yeah. get this right gotta make the right call yeah we gotta be like poll? not like nascar and make the right call <laughs> nascar should just poll everyone on whether or yeah, caution should come out. <laughs> should the caution come out poll poll well, polls up now <laughs> Uh, we'll let it roll for a few minutes. Uh, imagine they set it up where there's literally a button on your remote. You click it to <laughs> say yes, caution. Call in now. Should uh-huh. Kyle Bush be forced to pit with a flat tire? Do you want to see him have a flat tire? Oh, my gosh. I think. Oh, I know my who's gosh. Going. Oh, wow. It is Zane Smith? Yeah, he's in wow. the lead so far. Damn, I, I guess they want to try and get some extra points in. on this. Well, while we're doing that and waiting for that uh, one. Okay, yeah, we're 100 votes in. It's, it's definitely looking like Zane Smith. Yeah. Let's, let's roll into Xfinity picks. If it gets any change po- more positive for Zane Smith, I'll end the poll. Uh, past Cra- this, it's looking like that. Um, but it Crash the Hedgehog says, uh, you know, true, Kyle Busch hasn't won in trucks this year. I think that's right. Ah, that, man. I can't I mean, bet against him, man. I still can't. Yeah, it's but just, yeah, it's just at a mile and a half. It feels like a good pick. But, Zane yeah. Smith is, is the chat pick. Okay. All right. Well, let's make it official. They want to try and get a, a jump on the field. Hey, so. Let's make things interesting. It's interesting, Jared. I like Zane Smith. So I, I want you to write this down. If they pick it right, give them an extra, like, three points so they can catch up even more to me. Give them extra three. Unless you don't want to break the rules. I don't, don't want to break the rules. No, don't break the rules. break the rules. Break the rules. The, yeah. They'll, they'll still, the, they'll still right. get their bonus point for the win and everything. Yeah. All right. I was just trying to make things a little more interesting because I liked I liked that they really went out on a limb. I want them to be rewarded. Okay, well, I, you know what? You don't have to give them extra points, but I will give I will give the chat something if they get this pick right. <laughs> plus, I, I will make sure they are compensated. Not monetarily, but I will make sure that they get well, some sort of reward. And plus they have the Indy five hundred that counts like an extra cup race. That's this fair. Week. No, that's fair. We yeah. gotta maintain we gotta maintain consistency. You're right, you're right. But I'm I'm proud of you, chat. I like it. I like it. Well, who do you got for uh, for the Xfinity picks that we probably all will pick the same for, right? I'm joking. I, I don't know. Xfinity, we might all pick the same team. I feel like JRM has just been so consistent. I know they a lot of their cars got wrecked and got damaged at the end. I don't know how many of them they even had running left at the end of the, uh, 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 the, end of the race this past weekend, but I, I don't think that happens once again. I think they're going to finish roughly where they run. I'm going Noah Gregson. Is that 88 running again this weekend? I don't think so. I didn't see it on the intro. It's not. It's not? Okay, okay. Well, then, look, uh, he won this race last year. I'm going to go with Ty Gibbs. He gets another win this season. I'm also going with Ty Gibbs. I'm going to go with the car that's led the most laps in the last two Charlotte races in the Xfinity Series. That's car number 18 with Trevor Bain. Ooh, bold. Oh. Got to be bold. Good one. Especially after the truck pick. Keep the basement warm for me. Chat seems to be leaning Ty Gibbs. Yeah, they're going Ty Gibbs. Yeah, I'm going to say they're going to go with that 54. Ty Gibbs is their pick. All right. Coke 600 time. Who's going to suck? Well, I haven't thought about my sucker dark horse pick, so I'm just going to go out on a limb here. Let's say... 
I, I hate to pick on him. I'm going to go Austin Sindrick. He had a really good race at Texas. Like, all-star race, he was fast. Ran up in the top five all race long for the most part. Give him some credit for that, but I, I don't think he backed. 600 miles. I just don't think a rookie is going to be able to finish that. Or he might finish the race, but I don't think he's going to hang out in the top ten all day. Uh, and he, this is my always my go-to, just in case. I don't know who else to say. Cole Custer is going to suck this weekend. Yeah, I'll take the low hanging fruit too. Cole Custer for me as well. <laughs> so I see I'm not the only one who didn't think about their sock pick. <laughs> well, I'm going to go on the same tree, uh, but I'm going to go Eric Almarola. That team's been on a downward trend lately. Uh, they need to hit the gas. And uh, I don't think they will this week. I think it's going to be Almarola. And I think they're hitting their low hanging fruit in the chat too. Yeah, I see about the 41s. <laughs> Sorry for starting that trend again. Yeah. All right, I guess we're going to go with that one. Oh, I didn't realize the money team was coming back this weekend. Oh, they are. Well, that's too, that, that, that that's too. buried. <laughs> <laughs> Is it 27 back? Nope, not back yet. So... Who's your dark I lied. Horse? I actually did think about my dark horse a little bit. Uh, I think this is a oh, this is a good dark horse pick. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Uh, been on a streak mm-hmm. of top tens lately, and then won a stage. Uh, didn't he win the first stage this weekend in the open race? I think Stenhouse, yes. he's yes, a top he ten did. threat. I'm going to go with Eric Jones. I'll go with Eric Jones at 43. They're hey, they're flirting with the playoffs here too. They just need a few more good runs here and there. Yeah, I'm going to go with Eric Jones as my dark horse. Eric also had my underdog. I was also going to Stenhouse. And, uh, well, Darian had my underdog because I'm going with Eric Jones. <laughs> I, that, that team just, they they have speed. They never can close it out. I feel like at this point you have such a long race that maybe you'll have time to come back from the problems of not closing it out and actually close it out. And the chat... I'm seeing a lot of 99s. Yeah, it's it's 99. Let's go Suarez for the chat. All right. Now, what order do we have here? Let's go Coke 600 winner. Who we got for the cup race? Who's going to win? Who's going to win the Coca-Cola 600? Chase Elliott. I feel like I haven't picked him in like a year, so I'm going Chase. Take that, chat. I've seen this guy run up front before, and it is a teammate of Chase Elliott's, William Byron. I think will win the Coca-Cola 600. Uh, my pick's also been a, a good front-running Hendrick Cardi's last few years, and it's going to be a meme, Bowman. I think he's good. <laughs> yes! <laughs> uh, I'm going to Hendrick, Hendrick Camp. This guy had, uh, since, twenty, I believe, 2018 or 17, on this layout of Charlotte, has not finished lower than 11th. Led laps in a ton of them. Finished top five the last, God knows how many races at this point in this track. I'm going with Chase Elliott, so yep. I won't fall too far behind this week. Great minds think alike. Yeah, those numbers were impressive. And I was just going to say, Danny, I remember like months ago, maybe it was the end of last year, You know, we would laugh about like, oh, Danny picked Bowman again. And then you made a good point that you actually hadn't picked Bowman for like a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, shoot, you're right. That's, all, that's on us. That's, that's our bad. I feel like since then you've picked Bowman every yeah. <laughs> No, not really. At least much. three or four times. You've picked Bowman at least three or four times this year. 
Did Jared, Jared, do you have the, do you have that quickly? I, I, have to go back I don't know if I picked him to win, but maybe I picked him for something else, but I, I, ever, I think you pick Bowman every week, whether to suck dark, maybe not dark, but either to suck, but I feel like you've picked him to win at least four mm. or five times this year. Maybe, no, it's maybe not I'm wrong. Many. It might be three. So, uh, I'm looking at the, at the, uh, chat and it's looking like three have popped up for me so far and it is Larson, Reddick and Elliot. So I'll yeah. put a poll for that up. Um, at but everyone's moment. picked Hendrick. Everyone's picked Hendrick so far. If the chat picks Larson, then that'll be all four Hendrick drivers chosen to win. All right, five and the eight and the nine, and it's up now. While we're at that, um, we can move on to the Indy 500 pick. This one awarded same way as the the Cup Series, just like it was last year so eric lead us off who is gonna win the indianapolis 500 so i'm rooting for jimmy johnson as i think many people here are i want jimmy Mm -hmm. johnson to win this race that would be so freaking cool but i gotta hedge my bets i don't want to put all my eggs in the jimmy johnson carvana basket um i agree with i think right now the leading super chat um alex below that's my pick you know, this guy's won it before. Um, he was extremely fast in qualifying. I think he can win it again. Scott Dixon. I don't know. I've heard he's a little cursed. Hey, he'll break it this year. <laughs> Error. We'll see. I don't I don't think Scott Dixon's going to win it. But I will say, I think we'll see kind of a seasoned veteran. I, I think Ed Carpenter can do it. So I watched uh, David's last couple of videos from Indianapolis went back and forth with him and he made up some, made some great points that it's looking like this year's 500 is going to be under a lot hotter uh, weather conditions which uh, in his opinion goes to guys like Elio Castro Neves and my pick Renas VK uh, I think he's going to be the one that brings it home this year uh, Jack we'll inside you, info look at him Chad mm-hmm. we'll let you pick uh, through the end of the show uh, I'm going to go to Super Chats, and if you get over $48 for your pick, then, uh, well, then that'll be your pick. So if you really want Jimmy, put whatever you want. You do probably got to <laughs> clarify, we have had a Super Chat that's bigger than 48 but they did not leave a pick in this. Yeah, if you don't have a pick in it, I can't I can't help you with that. Mm-hmm. But uh, So leave if, if you want to, leave that pick in there. For the cup pick, it is clear. It is Kyle Larson. We have picked the entire Hendrick Motorsports stable. Uh, so, Which is pretty fair. There could be only one. In the top five last year. Yeah, yeah no, that, I think it's smart that we all stayed with Hendrick. One, two, uh, four, well, five. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and Cobb well, was, uh, was the cream and the Oreos there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm gonna go and pull these up right now. I believe Gavin Adcock is the next one up. Um, so, all right. Thank you, Gavin, for the five dollar super chat. Says the All Star race can be good again. Texas cannot. Uh, dang. Um, Isaac, <laughs> thank you for the one ninety nine. Says make it Seattle Stadium, please. We ain't got no track. <laughs> uh, Irvin Alvarado, thank you for the four ninety nine. I was watching Brock Beard's post race stream, and one of the super chat users stated an idea 
uh, is open the all-star race invite to the best drivers from Xfinity and trucks with equal cars in different in a different venue. Thoughts? Um, I think it'd be cool if they put them in non-cup cars for the all-star race. If that's, yeah. what, if that's what you'd have to do with equal by equal cars. Um, but yeah, I think that'd be fun. Bring the Xfinity truck champions up to cup for a day. It's like a field trip to the high school, you know, when you're like in fifth grade. <laughs> uh, look, we check up on the chat for that, and I'll get to the mm-hmm. next ones then. That, that way, we we clarify. I think that they put it. I think they put it in uh, the super chat after they put in their pick. So it might be a ninety-nine for VK. I believe. Oh. I can't Whoa. go any higher. Yeah, he's trying to get yeah. like, cup winners. Do we want to put it up at that or? Well, he, well it... no, he, he sent another super chat just a minute ago, $5 saying he picked BK. It's the same okay, guy. Then if, then, if, okay. If, if he did that. Oh, yes. That Renus. is right there. Okay. Yep, there then, is. All right. Because then, uh... then now that's 105 so. All right. So we'll yep. do, yeah. Well, that was 499 so. Wait, $99.99 plus $4.99. So that's. Call it 105 It's easier. Well, hey, they they were doing it by the cent last year. Okay. I don't want to. I don't want to. Okay, one hundred four ninety eight. <laughs> All right, so VK is is their pick. One hundred four ninety eight is now the the benchmark you have to beat to hit Jimmy Johnson. Um, <laughs> yeah. They're going to pick Jimmy. <laughs> that's yeah. what they've been saying. Everyone's like, "Put someone put five hundred to pick Jimmy." It's like, well, that's up to you. <laughs> Only that five hundred made his would make his car even faster. <laughs> five hundred for the five hundred, but. Uh, looking at some of the other picks here while we're we're going through these, um, I realize I, I scrolled down on it on accident. So uh, James Greer, thank you for the five dollar super chat. Says they should have turned Texas into the super speedway and left Atlanta alone. Besides repaving it, Happy Blaney won, but burned the track down. Jeez, dang. Uh, Trenton, thank you for the one dollar. Uh, no, no comment with that. James Vanderveer, uh, thank you for the one ninety nine. Says reconfigure Kentucky like Las Vegas Motor Speedway and redo Texas to the original layout. I think they're done with Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, they're done with that place. Uh, Shorty PJM, thank you for the five dollars. Says the fact that Ryan fixed a window net by himself, forced to, by the way, speaks uh, to a pure driver talent. Seriously, not one more word. He's overrated ever. I mean, I never said he was overrated. Uh, yeah, Nap- but he also didn't that. fix the window net. <laughs> yeah. uh, Napa Racing Fan 927, thank you for the $2 super chat, says we need in sync to say bye-bye-bye to Texas. Uh, Kyle 3000, with the 99, saying that he, and this is also to add in with the 499, uh, says he'll be making the pilgrimage to Charlotte this weekend. Club seats, baby. Uh, Andrew Ooh. Meyer, thank you for the $5 super chat. Says, can we take a moment to acknowledge how much of a cringe fest All Star intros were? Blake and yeah. Clint didn't want to shut, uh, didn't know when to shut up. Very unprofessional, Fox. I was very curious how it was mixed for TV because I was right there in the mosh pit in person. And well, it was they were fun. they were showing them they they were like showing shots of Blake Shelton and Clint Boyer like reading from the uh, the cue cards. And I was like, eh, like yeah, they shouldn't have done okay. that. Okay, yeah, they didn't need that. And I was just wondering because like where I was, the music was so loud and people were yelling, Marty, oh, yeah, that you couldn't like you heard them talking, but you didn't hear it very clearly. So I, was, yeah. I wasn't sure how that sounded on TV, but it was decent in person. Uh. 
Next super chat from Antar Das. Thank you for the 999. Says my favorite day of the year in motorsports. I love these three racing series too much to miss it. Also, I don't want to waste hundred dollars on super chats on Dixon like last year. <laughs> uh, Crash the Hedgehog ninety one. Thank you for the five dollars super chat. Says I love everyone on the podcast. Picks Kyle Busch for trucks. Thank you. But I think he's winless this year for trucks. Oh, yeah. Uh, thank you yeah. to my grandma for the $10 super chat. Let me refresh this. She didn't leave any message, but thank you, grandma. <laughs> thank uh, you, my grandma. She, she wants you to come back to the garage. <laughs> they actually sent me a text like, hey, we're going to miss you in the garage this week. <laughs> <laughs> Which I should I should have taken a picture while I was thinking about it and had the garage as my background. But uh, yeah. yeah. And then, of course, there's Kyle3000 saying you pick VK. Okay. Got that down. Uh, Aski20, thank you for the 499. Says, any of you guys going to the cup race at Indy this year? Just bought my tickets this week. Maybe. Not, not this year for me. Yeah. Probably won't make it this year, but I'd like to go back. I, I'd like to go back again at some point. It was fun last year. It was yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I just love freaking out in the grandstands with you guys when like Briscoe dumped Hamlin and then, and then, you know, then became Almond Air Just watching yeah. all the chaos of the track. That was funny. Yeah. That was and you got to hear Alan Bestwick, which was also yes. great. Oh yeah, that's right. Worth um, the price of admission alone. Let's see. Uh Antardas with the 199 says, Yeah, F that I'm keeping my hundred and five dollars. <laughs> um Sly Supersonic. Thank you for the 1086. Hey, Fantastic Four. Sorry I'm late. How are you? I'm good. Uh, about this for the All-Star Race. Let's use their streetcar equivalents. Street Mustangs, Camaros, and Camrys. Brad K suggested that uh, first years ago. Well, all the Camrys are going to get crushed. That's probably with the intention for a lot of fans. <laughs> That's why Keslowski suggested it. Yeah. <laughs> Jacob Bennett, thank you for the $10 super chat, man. It says, I can't believe anyone thinks William Byron isn't the worst Hendrick driver. He's second of them in points uh, and has led the most laps this season and has more wins than any of his teammates. At, at this point, it don't matter who you say is the worst of the 400 cars. Your worst one is still better than most of the entire field. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, like, being the worst Hendrick Motorsports driver, it's not the, you know, basically the worst thing in the world <laughs> it's just weird right now this year because basically bowman and uh sorry bowman and byron are basically flipped roles like last year bowman was kind of inconsistent but he had a lot mm -hmm. of wins this year byron has a lot of wins but like bowman's been far more consistent when it comes to top he would be legitimately stuff. i think top five in the points if this was the old way mm -hmm. yeah so it's it's kind of just funny how they sort of flip so it's hard to it's hard to say who's the right. best or the worst over there right now yeah uh, so far here, two super chats left. Blue Jimmy forty eight fan leaves a ten dollar super chat. Says this isn't a pick, but I'm absolutely ecstatic to check the Indy five hundred off my bucket list this year. Leaving tomorrow, I cannot wait to be there. This is going to be a one uh, once in a lifetime changing experience. Ha have, have fun, man. Fun. I was originally planning to go myself, but it won't be this year. Maybe next year though. Have a good time, dude. Sounds and awesome. And then, oh, well, there's one more here. But then Cody Workman, thank you for the 199, says stop WWEing NASCAR. Authenticity over artificial drama. And then Shorty PJM says, what to bring for my first race? Uh, 529. May 29th. Uh, That's the weekend, hashtag yeah. year of the Joey Logano. Thanks. Bring a Logano shirt. I'm sure it'll be popular. Yeah, bring that. <laughs> take, take sunscreen, waters. 
Um, a sharpie. Walk you never know when you can meet someone and take cash. He- You'll find good headset or earplugs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just in case. I don't know. Maybe you. Oh, maybe you might want to blow ears. Yeah, that too. Works yeah. for me every time. You know, while we have a few minutes here, I know we keep kind of glossing over it, but I, I, I know I'm such a casual fan over here, but I want to talk about Jimmy Johnson for a second. I just want to go down the list here and say, where do you guys think he finishes and or what notable things happen to him during the race? Like, because because let's be honest, half the people, if not everyone watching this stream right now, is going to be closely watching Jimmy Johnson on yeah. Sunday. I just want to know, like, how does he do this? This is his first I, Indy 500. His best IndyCar race yet was his only other oval start at Texas, where he finished, like, sixth. So, like, what's the ceiling for Jimmy this weekend? I think he will actually lead a couple laps, but it might be because of pit stop strategy. Um, but still, the fact of him leading in the Indy 500 would be a big deal. I think that can happen. Because um, we've seen Danica Patrick lead in the Indy 500 before, a couple times actually. So I think we, I think we could see Jimmy Johnson lead at least for a little bit. How it happens, you know, we'll wait and see. I think he can at least get a top ten. He might even be in contention for a top five, maybe more than that. But I think a top ten, at least. I, I, I think he'll personally like flirt with the podium from time to time. I'd say I'll say at the very least the top ten, but won't be surprised if he gets a top five too. I think he, I think he'll be that quick. Uh, I'm gonna stay at that top ten to fifteen range. He's had tons of speed uh, all through the week. His teammates have all had a ton of speed. Uh, he seems to be keeping pace with all of them. Um, I'll say he'll lead laps. Actually, you know, yeah, somewhat off of strategy, but I don't think off off of pitting. I think. I think just off of just straight up being faster than some of the guys will be up there at different points. You know, there's a lot of ebbs and flows uh, through the Indy 500 lap. But I think that I think a top 10 is not out of the question. I think I mean Kirk Busch, if you remember, finished sixth when he did his attempt, um, and he had much less IndyCar experience than Jimmy Johnson did. I think a longer race probably helps him too, as Jimmy Johnson is used to that from NASCAR. Uh, so I would not be surprised if he's a top five. I mean, I think he is an outside choice to win, um, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick him as as any of my top two or three guys by any means. But I I think he's I think he's gonna be a guy who if the things fall into the right place he'll be he can put himself in position to win. And I think it's a lot better than any of us probably would have uh, predicted a year ago this time or even six months ago. Yeah, a year ago or even six months ago, we were kind of like, you know, if Jimmy runs the Indy 500, yeah, he, he, he's probably not going to be able to win, but he'll run it. No, I think right now he could absolutely win the race. He's Like you said, Jared, he wouldn't be one of my top few picks. He may not even be in the top 10 of favorites, but he has a an actual shot. And like, if he wins, it'd be huge. It'd be surprising, but it would not be like earth shattering, shocking. Like, that's not supposed to happen. It wouldn't be that insane. Uh, but my prediction is he runs. He might lead a couple laps, but I think he'll consistently run as high as third or fourth, and then I think he wrecks out at some point. That's my honest prediction. <laughs> I, just, I just think 200 laps you know, on edge like that, and we've seen it doesn't take much to lose it in the Indy 500. And I know he had a great save in qualifying, but I, I just don't see him holding on to that car for 200 laps his first time out. I, I think he'll wreck at some point. That's my honest opinion. I think he'll run fourth and then and on this, take off. On the subject of wrecks, I think – you know this this race is known for a few big wrecks to happen. I think I think there's a chance we could see one at least one 
big crash in this race too. Who was it like last year who hit the inside tire barriers or not tire barriers, the little water barrels and went flying? Or was that the year before? That was, year before. That was the year before. Year before. Yeah. Who was that? Who was that driver? I can't remember. I remember. Yeah, I can't remember. It was like a known guy. I just can't remember who it was off the top of my head. But that was. Well, there's always some fluky stuff like that. Real quick, one one last super chat here to kind of end off the night. Napa Racing Fan 927 leaves two dollars and asks. Uh, who's the next NASCAR driver to do the Indy 500? Um, Kyle Larson. Yeah, Larson. Larson. I hope Larson. He's the one who said the most smoke to the fire. So. Yeah, Larson. I would love to see Kyle Busch do it. I think he would be excellent. But. Yeah, I think that about wraps it up. I think we've kind of covered everything. Um, next week, we're well, we're, we're gonna be here. Except we're gonna be on your channel. Uh, on June 1st, good lord, this year is flying by. Dang, June 1st at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Danny B's channel. We're going to go through everything from the 600 and Gateways we'll next. We're previewing a new track that me and you will be going to. We'll yeah! Be, we'll be covering Gateway together. Let's go! Woo! All right, I can't wait. That's going to be a fun one. But yeah, be sure to watch on Danny's channel next week. Uh, and then... Again, I might stream during the three races this weekend if I can get everything working right. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. But, yeah, I think that about covers it. All of these guys' links are in the description down below, so be sure to subscribe to all of them if you haven't already. Uh, and thank you to everyone who watched. It was an awesome, awesome show. I I love doing these ones before the Indy 500 and Coke 600 because we just get to have, like, one mega show. It's, mm -hmm. it's really fun. Mm -hmm. Lots of stuff going on mm -hmm. for sure. But, it's gonna be a fun weekend. Yeah. Um guess that covers it. We, we don't have a Dell call, do we? Eric. Oh. Sorry, I'm I'm still thinking of this as your thing, Jared. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, mine's still in Glockford. It's still in the it's still in the shop. Yeah. Ah, we almost shot for a second. Goodbye. Alright, get out of my house! Goodbye! Okay. step here this episode is brought to you by forney industries get it done with green forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines metalworking accessories and more for do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers forney has everything you need for your next project shop forney's top of the line products at forneyind.com that's forney f-o-r-n-e-y ind i-n-d.com or at an authorized forney dealer near you